Alright, we're going to be doing Surah Yusuf. Surah Yusuf is the 12th Surah of Quran al-Kareem. It was revealed in Makkah Mukarama. It was revealed in Makkah Mukarama at a time when the Mushrikeen of Makkah were giving Sayyidina Rasulullah a very difficult time. Some of the Mufassirin, Alama, Alusin, and Tafsir, who Alamani has said, the Bani Israel asked Sayyidina Rasulullah some question that how did it come about that the Bani Israel migrated to Misr and they thought they would catch him unaware that he wouldn't know the answer and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this surah there's a lot of details in the surah inshallah we're going to do as much as we can in about three hours Alif, Lam, these are known as harufi muqatta'at. I've already discussed this in the beginning of the course. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put these letters at the start of certain surahs. Nobody knows exactly what they mean. And one simple thing I will tell you about them is that they've been placed here as a sign of the majesty and might of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he is ahkum al-hakameen, he is the most wise of the wise ones. He knows best the meaning of each and everything in Qur'an al-Kareem. And he has put such letters in there to humble us that there are even going to be letters that if you recite them, and it comes in a hadith that Sahaba asked the Prophet about alif lam meem, that if you recite these letters, will you receive ten rewards for each letter or not? And Nabiya Kareem Sallallahu said yes, that even for reciting alif, lam, and meem, a person will get ten rewards for each such letter. So that means that when a person does tilawat of Qur'an, even if they don't understand the meaning of the Arabic they are reciting, they are getting ten thawab, ten hasana, ten barakat for each and every letter they recite. And even the greatest alim and alama and mufassan of Qur'an, even when they read alif, lam, ra, they will also not understand it. So every mufassir will also be humbled by this reality that they will be at least, if nothing else, the hurufi muqatta'at, that when they do tilawat of Qur'an, they will read them without understanding and they will be getting the sawab and ajr and barakat and hasanat from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tilka ayatul kitab al-mubin. Indeed, these are the verses of the kitab, the scriptural revelation that have been revealed that make things clear. Inna anzalnahu Qur'an al-Arabiyyah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Qur'an that we have revealed this Qur'an, Arabiyyah in the Arabic language. All right. First thing now, Surah Yusuf. Uh, the surah is named after Sayyidina Yusuf Islam for the first three verses. Allah sponsor is going to set the stage for the story. There are total 111 verses in the surah. And the last 10 verses, Allah sponsor is going to talk about some of the responses of the mushrikeen of Makkah Makarama to this story. Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam, you should know, is the great grandson of Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam. Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam's son, Sayyidina Ishaq alayhi salam. Sayyidina Ishaq alayhi salam's son, Sayyidina Yaqub alayhi salam. And Sayyidina Yaqub alayhi salam, Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. So you can imagine these days in, in our tradition, many times an alim will pride himself that my father was also an alim and my grandfather was also an alim and my great-grandfather was also an alim. So I come from an ilmi khandan. So Sayyidina Yusuf salam came from a khandan of Anbiya and Mursaleen that each his father and grandfather and great-grandfather were all blessed with the nur of Nubuwat. There are many virtues of Surah Yusuf that are mentioned in Hadith. One virtue is that person who recites, uh, recites the tilawat of Surah Yusuf and then does amal on it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help that person in the trials of their death. All right. 
Kitab al-Mubin. Why is the kitab referred to as mean? It means each and every single thing clear. It clarifies what is halal and what is haram in terms of legality. But it also clarifies each and every feeling in terms of spirituality and morality a person is supposed to have. And you're going to see a lot of that in Surah Yusuf. Another meaning is the direct rub to the surah is that Surah Yusuf as narrated in Quran is going to make the whole incident and what lessons we should learn from his story crystal clear. It's going to be crystal clear after the surah what it is that we have to learn and it's also going to be made crystal clear that to all the namashukin in Makkah Makarama that Sayyidina Rasulullah sallam is indeed a true prophet and messenger of Allah subhanahu wa Quran and Arabiyyah simply means that the Qur'an is revealed in the Arabic, the Lughat of the Quraysh of Ahli Makkah. The Qur'an al-Karim was revealed in their dialect. And this is mentioned by Allah subhanahu wa to win them over, to make them feel some munasibah, some nisbat. That this Qur'an has not been revealed in a strange language. That Allah subhanahu is speaking to you in your language. And in your language, you have expressed your emotions in your language in poetry. So the Arabs had a great tradition of pre-Islamic poetry. And in that Arabic poetry, they expressed their feelings and emotions and they were moved. Their feelings and emotions were moved by the language of Arabic. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala selected this language and created this language. The Arabic language has the greatest power to convey and to instill and to inspire feeling and emotions. And then he made a community who was literate in that language. And then he sent Qur'an al-Kareem down upon them. So it means that we should also be trying to feel this uh, feel the feelings of the meanings of the wordings of Qur'an al-Qur'an. Right. And as all of you know, the language of the people of Jannah will also be in Arabic because that will be the height of the feelings of bliss and joy and happiness and contentment. And the only language that is sufficient enough to express that will be the Arabic language. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْكِلُونَ Allah SWT says that we have sent this Qur'an and this recitation, this recited scriptural revelation in Arabic. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْكِلُونَ So that you may become people of understanding, you may reflect, you may learn some sense. نَحْنُ نَقُصُّ عَلَيْكَ أَحْسَنَ الْقَصَصِ بِمَا أَوْحِينَا إِلَيْكَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ Allah says we are going to tell you, Nabi Kareem Sallallahu the best of stories in revealing this Qur'an al-Kareem to you. Now why is this the story of Sayyidina Yusuf is called by Allah subhanahu wa himself in Quran as Asan al-Qasas? Number one reason is that this person, the main character of the story, Sayyidina Yusuf is Asan, he has the most husan, he has the most beauty. Second reason is that the story itself is Asan, it is more complete information. There are snippets of stories of other Anbiya, but the story of Sayyidina Yusuf is going to be mentioned, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in complete, absolute perfection. And the third reason is that this story can bring a person to Asan by doing amal on the lessons that a person learns in the story of Sayyidina Yusuf Islam. Asan means a person will have virtue, nobility, excellence, beauty in them. They will be inculcate spiritual beauty inside of themselves. When kunta min kablihi lamin al-ghafilin, and indeed Allah Taala is telling the Prophet Sallam that before this, before Allah Taala has sent this revelation of this surah, you Prophet Sallam were one of those who knew nothing about this story, right? So this is also establishing the hujjiyat or the authority of the Prophet Sallam to these Bani Israel who asked the question that indeed he doesn't know, and Allah Taala is going to be the one who tells him, and that will establish his nubuwa. Now begins the story after this three-verse prelude, so now we're on verse number four. إِذْ قَالَ يُوسُفُ When Sayyidina Yusuf said to Abihi to his father, that I dreamed of eleven stars and the sun 
and the moon, and I saw them all make sajda to me. And what did the father reply? And so his father replied that, Oh my son, tell your brothers nothing of this dream, or they may plot to harm you. Shaitan is the sworn open, Shaitan is the open enemy of all of humanity. All right. So what does this mean? Sayyidina Yusuf saw this dream at an early age. Now it's not mentioned exactly at what this age was, but he's a young boy. You can imagine he's a young boy. One can imagine sometime, somewhere between the ages of 12 to 16. First thing that you can note, lesson to learn in this ayah, is look how he addresses his father. What does he say? He says, Ya Abati. Ya Abati. So this is a way in the Arabic that a person calls upon their father with love and respect. So first lesson is that a person, no matter what their age is, should always call upon one's parents with adab and mahabba. So abati is like saying Abu Jan. Oh, mere piyare Abu Jan. Hmm? Ya abati. Okay? And as we know elsewhere in Quran, Karim Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned about Sayyidina Yaqub alayhi salam who was the father. Waqana Abu Huma Saliha that the, their father was a righteous man. So part of their, the rabiyat of their children is to teach our children how to address other people. Now, next thing is that, what does he say? He says that, إِنِّي رَأَيْتُ أَحَدَ أَشَرَ كَوْكَبًا That indeed I saw, means I saw in a dream, 11 stars. Now who are those 11 stars? The 11 stars are the brothers of Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. And when he sees them doing sajda to him, what it means is that he's seeing somehow that they're deferring to him, that they're obeying him, that they're secondary to him. And somehow they're all going to be focusing their orientation towards him. Or not. Then what was the response that the father said? The father told him that, look, you should not tell your brothers this story. Right? So he also calls his son with love, Kalaya Bunaya, that, oh, Mary Putter. Hmm? Oh my dear and beloved son, that you should not tell your dream, mention your dream to your brothers at all. Now what is going on here? This also mentions, first of all, that tabir of dreams. Not everyone can give tabir of a dream. This is not something that everybody can do. It's like fatwa. Not everybody can derive a legal ruling of Islam, a shari ruling and issue it. Just like that, not everybody can explain a dream. Later on you're going to see that Allah SWT is going to mention that he teaches Sayyidina Yusuf salam what here is going to be called Ta'wil al-Ahadith and sometimes later generally in Arabic is called Ta'bir al-Ru'ya or is an interpretation of events and stories, the interpretation of dreams. So Sayyidina Yusuf salam he sees a true dream. And what is the Ta'bir? This much the father says that this dream may be, it suggests to the father he saw something else in this. Now outwardly, it seems that the 11 siblings are doing sajda. But the father, because he was also a Nabi, and he was skilled as well to some extent in this, he realized that no, this is actually a foreshadowing. That in order to reach that end, there's going to be a process. So also you should realize that whether it's the dreams we make in our own head, or the dreams we actually see that are signs from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that it's just an imagery representation of a potential outcome, but you don't know what process you may have to go through to reach that potential outcome. Now this was the insight of Sayyidina Yaqub islam that before that day comes, when the 11 brothers make sajda, figuratively speaking, to Sayyidina Yusuf salam, there's going to be some process by which that happens, and he was already getting afraid for his son, because he was worried that process would put danger 
put his son in danger. The other thing that is being mentioned here is that when he tells him la taqsus ru'yaka, that don't tell them your dream, it also means that generally a person should keep a low profile. A person does not need to unnecessarily share or manifest or display any bounty and blessing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them. Number one, out of humility. And number two, keep a low profile means to shave oneself min hasidin idha hasad. That a person may save themselves from the evil of the envier when they direct that evil envious gaze towards them. So one way to proactively, practically save oneself from the envy of the envier is not to mention things that may actually make other people have hasad of you. Now sometimes you may end up in a second trap that a person will then feel you're, you're reserved, you to open a batini batata, right? That's still less, that is less sharp. <laughs> that is less danger to you than actually telling and sharing and revealing and having to potentially face and confront their hasad. And you can imagine the fear that Sayyidina Yaqub had that if he was worried that the brothers would have hasad just because of the dream that was seen and what in the world is going to happen to the brothers when the dream becomes an actuality, when the dream becomes a reality. Right? Why does a person feel hasad? Let me just mention one lesson on that. A person feels hasad actually because there means that they're not pleased with the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hasad means envy and jealousy that when Allah Ta'ala bestows something on somebody else, some achievement, some accomplishment, some attainment, some bounty, some blessing, can be money, job, degree, house, car, spouse, children, intelligence, beauty, anything, that a person inside their heart, their heart goes on fire. They don't like it. And they don't like it so much that secretly, deep down, they wish that that person didn't have it. And if it was up to them they would either wish that the person never had it in the first place, or they would deprive that person of it now, they would make the mahroom of it after they got it. So this is a fire that burns inside of a person. And this is one of the very first sins that take place, because Iblis, Shaitan, had hasad for Sayyidina Adam And similar thing about sajda, that was the hakiki sajda, that why are the angels being told to make sajda to him, when I am actually better than him, that should have been me up there, who the angels are doing sajda to. Right? So this feeling of envy and jealousy is known as one of the greatest sins. Earlier in the Orth of Syria, we also mentioned to you the two sons of Sayyidina Adam the Qabil had hasad for his brother. He was envious that why does my brother get to marry that one that I want to marry? And he was so upset that he would rather see his brother dead before he got married to that girl. In other words, deprive the other of that ni'mat. So the first sin on earth that took place was also due to hasad. Right? So this is something that happens and this is the history of humanity. That whenever a person is zee sifat, they will have hasideen. The great mufassireen, muhaddisin, fuqaha, awliyai, karam of this ummah, even they had hasideen. Imam al-Bukhari, Allah, Imam al-Muhaddithin, Amir al-Mu'mineen fil hadith, he had a lot of hasideen in his time. And if you read his biography, you will hear, you will read about such sad instances as how many people did hasid for him. All right. Why did they mention hasad as a fire? Because fire consumes the very wood that you put in it. So hasad is a fire because it consumes the heart, very heart of that person who has hasad in their heart. So what is the cure for hasad? Number one cure for hasad is to acknowledge that, oh Allah, that whatever you have given so and so, and even whatever you sifat you have given me, all of that is only from your karam and fazl, and all the inamat that indeed all of creation have, 
is only from your own karam, fazl, your own generosity and grace. You and you alone are worthy of praise. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. I am not worthy of any praiseworthy status that I should have been given this instead of that person. Second thing is that a person should make dua for the other person, the person about whom you feel the feeling of hasad. You should make dua for them. And massive dua, the type of dua you may have never even made for yourself. The Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give them janatul for those, give them walayat kubra, make them hafiz of Qur'an, make them on taqwa, grant them every bounty in this world, give them every happiness in this world, increase their existing barakat, manifold. And in the beginning, obviously you have to force yourself to do it, but the more and more dua you make for that person, then the words we say on our tongues to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they have an effect on our heart. And then our heart will become softened and then we'll be ashamed. And I've explained to you earlier in the door as well that the benefit of that will be that the Prophet ﷺ hadith that whenever you make dua for a fellow mu'min, an angel comes and makes dua for the very same thing for you. And then the angel says, Amin on their dua. So actually when you'll be making dua for them, actually the angels will be making the very same dua for you. Here to save then Sayyidina Yusuf salam from Hasad, right? Sayyidina Yaqub salam told his son not to tell uh, his brothers the dream. Okay. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then he told his son, Inna shaitan al insani that indeed Iblis is an open, clear, manifest enemy, die hard enemy for all of humanity. Alright. This is then important to know that it's your brothers, what he's trying to say is that your brothers aren't your enemies. Shaitan is going to put in them enmity for you. Your brothers have brotherly feelings for you. They are your brothers. But if they were to find out about this dream, shaitan would make an opportunity to put enmity in their heart for you. So what we learn from this actually is that because shaitan is our greatest enemy, just like that he puts the feelings of enmity into the hearts of people towards us. And many times shaitan uses his power of waspasa, waspasa to whisper and to insinuate to people that they should also fe- they should feel a feeling of enmity towards other people. Just so you know that Sayyidina Yusuf salam, uh, Sayyidina Yaqub salam had two wives. Of the twelve brothers, two of them, Sayyidina Yusuf salam and Bin Yamin, were from one wife. And all of the other ten were from another wife. So another reason that it may be that there may have been a slight feeling of division there is that because they were half-brothers to one another, right? And maybe they may feel, this, this ten may feel bad if they feel that the other one from the other wife has been given some type of fuzzle or karam or grace over the rest of them. All right. Here Allah says, and indeed now, this is how Allah Taala will choose you and teaches you how to interpret dreams and stories. And thus Allah Ta'ala perfects His blessing on you and on all the descendants of Yaqub salam, just as He perfected it earlier on your forefathers, Sayyidina Ibrahim salam and Sayyidina Ishaq salam. Indeed, your Rabb is Alim, Hakim, is all-knowing and most wise. So here you have this notion again that Sayyidina Yusuf salam has come from a long legacy of Anbiya and Mursalins. 
So this is referring to the Nubuat. So that's why Anbiya or Mujtaba. This is one of the names of our beloved Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ahmad al-Mujtaba. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Mujtaba means the one who is chosen by Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and he can choose whomsoever he wants for this blessing of Nubuat and prophethood. This is a general rule. This is a general rule that if the parents are pious, there's a greater chance that the children will be pious. The lesson in this for the parents of today is that if you want your child to be pious, if you want your child to have taqwa, ikhlas, haya, deen, sidq, right? Then you have to make sure to get all of those attributes yourself first. And then your child, as the child of somebody and a couple and a household and a home that has these attributes will have a greater chance of doing so. So this is what we say, what the Arabs used to say, that Ibn al-Tayyib is born in a Bayt al-Tayyib, that a child of Tayyib who is pure and wholesome and pious is born in a household and a home that is full of purity and piety and wholesomeness. Then Allah says, لَكَدْ كَانَ فِي يُوسُفَ وَإِخْوَتِهِ آيَاتٌ لِلسَّائِلِينَ That indeed you have, there are many, many ayat, there are many, many lessons and reminders and signs and signals in the story of Yusuf salam and his brothers, in the story of what happened between Sayyidina Yusuf salam and his brothers, لِلسَّائِلِينَ For all of those who seek and want to learn such lessons. All right. First thing is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put here some lessons for the mushrikeen of Makkah Mukarramah. That number one, that look, you have made Sayyidina Rasulullah some leave his land. He is, you've made him leave Makkah Mukarramah. Right? So the same thing, that you're going to make him leave Makkah Mukarramah. So no problem. Just like Sayyidina Yusuf was also driven out of his homeland. Outwardly it was a trial and a test for him. But eventually it became a means of Allah ta'ala uplifting and honoring him. Similarly in the future, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to send Sayyidina Rasulullah out of Makkah Mukarramah. Similarly, Sayyidina Rasulullah will be driven out of Makkah Mukarramah. But his being expelled from Makkah Mukarramah will also be a precursor and a means to lead to a later victory and honor that will come. And that is first of all the karam that he will get in Medina Manawara. And that will be a means for him to return with a larger group and enable him to do Fatih Makkah. Similarly, a second story Allah Ta'ala was giving to the mushrikeen in Makkah was just like at the end of the surah you're going to see that the brothers of Yusuf will eventually have to apologize. Just like that, there will come a time when the mushrikeen in Makkah Mukarramah will also submit and accept their faults and that they were wrongdoers when they oppressed and persecuted Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Alright. إِذْ قَالُوا لَيُوسُفُ وَأَخُوهُ أَحَبُّ إِلَىٰ أَبِينَ مِنَّا وَنَحْنُ أُسْبَةٌ so what happened was then the brothers, they were discussing with one another. And what did they say to each other? That Sayyidina Yusuf and his brother are dearer to our father than we are, even though we are a group. So again, right, Yusuf his brother is Binyamin. And those two are great, more dear. However, we are greater in number. We are a greater number, we are ten. But our father loves those two even more. And especially... Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi So how did the brothers feel about this? What did they say? Inna abana lafi zalalim mubin. They said, indeed, our father is unclear and manifest error. So they were upset with their father. Okay. Now what happened was is that Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi and Binyamin were the two youngest. Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi is a young, I told you, on 1216 at this time. And Binyamin was even younger than him. 
So Sayyidina Yaqub loved his two youngest children a lot. One reason some of the Mufassirun say is that because the two of them were younger. Another reason is that because the two of them had more sifat. Don't worry, just focus on that screen. Right? The two of them had more sifat, more attributes. They were more zi sifat. They were, and obviously of the twelve, which one is going to be a Nabi? Sayyidina Yusuf salam. But anyway, the older ones were agitated about this because they were proud of their larger number. What are some of the lessons in this? A lesson that we learn from this is sometimes when you have excessive love for someone, that excessive love for someone can also become a means of test, trial, and tribulation. And sometimes it becomes a source by means of which Allah subhanahu wa tries the lover and Allah subhanahu wa tries the beloved. For example, Sayyidina Adam had a lot of love for his son Habil. It became a source of fitna for him. His other son, who was the brother Qabil, killed him. Sayyidina Yaqub had a lot of love for Sayyidina Yusuf Right? But then the love that Sayyidina Yaqub had for Sayyidina Yusuf became a source of trial for him. Sayyidina Rasulullah had a lot of love for Sayyidina Hussein anhu. And that love that he had for Sayyidina Hussein later then ended up becoming a source of trial for him. So sometimes having a lot of love can be its test and a trial and tribulation for a person. Here, next port, let's return to the Quran al-Karim. So what happened? Iktalu Yusufa, Autarahu, Ardan Yahlu Lakum Wajhu Abikum, Watakunu Mim Badihi Koman Salihin. So what happened that one of the brothers said, and this is one of the ten, one of the ten said to the other brothers that kill Sayyidina Yusuf or exile, banish him to another land so that your father's attention will be free to turn to you and then after that you can be a righteous people, after that you can behave righteously. Alright. The two things are noteworthy here. Number one is that the brother, one brother at least was trying to incite the brothers to kill. So we explained this before, that hasad is such an intense emotional, spiritual disease that a person cannot stand the existence of the other person. A person may even want to go all the way and kill that other person. They want, that they say in English, that I want to wipe his face off the face of this earth. I don't want to even see their face on this earth. That was the feeling they were feeling for Sayyidina Yusuf Islam. But what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do? This is another lesson for us. That if the person whom the envy is being directed towards, in Arabic we will call this mahsud, if they don't take retaliatory action, but instead they seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that's how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded us Quran al-Kareem, in those last two surahs of Quran, that when sharri hasidin idha hasad man, seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from the envier when he envies, not to retaliate, counter-launch, counter-attack. So if a person who is the object of hasad does that, if they have patience and they trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah ta'ala will long-term safeguard them from the negative and evil effects of hasad. Right? And here you're going to see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to make a plan that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself is going to protect Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. The next thing that you see is that the, the, what was the idea that he had that we should do this, either even kill him or banish him and then after that we will be a righteous people. So this is also something that both shaitan and the nafs try to convince a person to do. That they should plan a sin, 
They should commit that sin. And then they will think that, okay, now after that, I will make tawbah. After that, I will be a righteous, I will be a good person. Or they will do a sin one last time. Let me do it one more time. And that one more time will be one last and final time. And after that, I will never do it again. So the reality is that this never works. And if one more time is never one last time, that one more time is just an unending series of second to last times. Hmm? I mean, a person will always end up doing it over and over again. So we should never let ourselves fall into such a delusion that we can intend to do a sin or do a sin and thereafter we will be pious. This is what the Mufassirun say in Arabic is Tawbah Fasid. As opposed to Tawbah Tanusuh. Tawbah Tanusuh means true, sincere Tawbah that a person leaves a sin and intends never ever to do it again. And Tawbah Fasid is that a person intends to leave that sin after doing it one more time or after doing it for a few more days or after earning just a little bit more money. That's Tawbat al-Fasid, that is wrong to do. right? And if a person engages in sins like that, it even endangers their very iman because it can pave the way for them to fall into kufr, in disbelief, in denial of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At the same time, another thing that the Mashaikh mentioned here is at the same time they had a niyyat they did have a niyyat to make tawbah later. And they didn't have a niyyat to be unrepentant in their sin. So this was what ultimately saved them. This is also the blessing and the power of niyyat. This is what ultimately saves them. You will see again at the end of the surah that they will apologize to Sayyidina Yusuf Islam, And then Yusuf Islam will forgive them. And then Allah subhanahu will mention that he also sends his blessings upon them. Right? So at least they were not entirely unrelenting or unrepentant. Okay. Then another one of them said, قَالَ قَائِلٌ مِّنْهُمْ Then another one of those ten said, لَا تَقْتُلُوا يُسُفَ Don't kill him. Don't kill Sayyidina Yusuf a.s. Instead what we should do is وَأَلْقُوهُ فِي غَيَبَاتِ الْجُبِّ That what we should do is we should throw him down, we should cast him down, literally it means into the hidden depths of a well. So don't kill Yusuf Islam, but rather throw him down into the hidden depths of a well where some caravan and travelers may come by and pick him up. In kuntum fa'ileen, if indeed you must do something. If indeed you are going to do something, if indeed you're going to act, then you shouldn't kill him, but you should throw him down into a well. Alright. This mashfara was accepted. This recommendation was what they all agreed upon. Now what they did do, now Allah is going to show you how did they bring their plan into action. Kalu ya abana. They said, they went, they said, Oh our father, why do you not trust us with Sayyidina Yusuf salam? We wish him well. Send him with us, we are his lanasihun. Indeed we are his well-wishers. Send him with us tomorrow so that he may eat and enjoy himself and he may roam and play around and roam about. Assuredly, we will be very, we will be careful watchers and guardians over him. Right? So now what are they doing? They are basically presenting themselves to the father. They're presenting themselves to their father. That they are genuinely going to be the well-wishers of Sayyidina Yusuf Islam, and they genuinely want to take care of him. Now look what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave. He gave what we call firasat and basirat to Sayyidina Yaqub alayhi salam. He was a Nabi. He saw right through this. 
He saw right through it. He sensed that something was not quite there. So how does he respond to them? He responds to them, Qala, Sayyidina Siddhisattva, verse number 13, Sayyidina Yusuf Salam says to them, he replies, that the prospect of you taking him away with you worries me. I'm afraid a wolf may eat him while you are not minding him, you are not paying attention. This is what he said. So what did he say? It, he mentioned the sense of huzn, right? The word, the Arabic word here is layahazununi, that I will fall into huzn, I will fall into grief and sorrow. The very prospect of you taking him away puts me into grief and sorrow. This is also a feature of love, that because Sayyidina Yaqub had so much love for Sayyidina Yusuf just the idea of being separated, when the lover has the idea of being separated from his true beloved, the prospect of that, the thought of that, the idea of that, puts a feeling of sorrow and sadness into him. But what were the words that he used? He said that, I'm afraid that a wolf may eat him, wantum anhu ghafilun, and you will be ghafil of him, you will be heedless and unaware of him. So he didn't use the word that you will be zalimun, you will be wrongdoers, you will be sinners, you will be unjust, you will be oppressors. A person who is ghafil is not necessarily guilty of sin, but what he was suggesting is that you will neglect him. This was a direct response to what they said. What did they say? They said, وَإِنَّا لَهُ لَهَافِذُونَ And he said, وَأَنْتُمْ أَنْهُ غَافِلُونَ He said indeed that we will be watchful guardians, hafidun over him. And he responded, Sayyidina Yaqub, some father responded to his ten sons, that no, وَأَنْتُمْ أَنْهُ غَافِلُونَ Then you will actually be people who are heedless of him. So he saw that. And he saw that they don't have that love for Sayyidina Yusuf that I have, and therefore they won't be watchful over him. All right. How did they respond? They responded back. They called you. So the brothers responded to their father. They said that indeed, that if a wolf were to eat him, while there are so many of us, then we would then truly be losers. You know how pathetic we would be that there are ten of us and we're not going to be able to mind over him. Up now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't mention any further detail in Qur'an. The dialogue ends, but obviously based on what's going to happen next, clearly they managed to convince Sayyidina Yaqub salam, or maybe more likely he was unconvinced, but he had no other thing to say to them. He had no other reason to not grant their request when they were outwardly apparently presenting themselves to be such sincere well-wishers and he tried and gave them an admonishment but they didn't back down in fact they responded back and said no no how could that ever happen and we would be truly losers if it happened so then the next ayah from verse 15 they're going to take him away and then when the brothers went off with Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam such that they were agreed upon putting him and casting him down in the hidden depths of a well. So they took him off with this program and they were agreed with that. Now what happened? Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he sent wahi to Sayyidina Yusuf What does it mean? It means here that when they were so agreed on this resolve. Now the next moment, the next phrase means that Sayyidina Yusuf must have realized. And when he realized that his brothers were all agreed on this resolve and planned to put him in the bottle of the well, he was struck with shock. Because one would never expect that of one's brothers. 
And they probably told him the same thing, that we're taking you out to play and eat and roam around and run about. So what happens that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the lesson here is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives people, sorry, so uh, what, what happened was that when they would, when they would put Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi in the well, he would have suffered from shock, he would have been stunned. So what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do before that happens? Wa'ahayna ilayhi. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends his wahi down to him. This is also a special gift sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestows upon his most beloved servants, Siddiqeen and Awliya, that he sends them a tasalli, he sends them some cons- consolation prior to the shock or grief that they're about to receive. He shores them up. He strengthens them up prior to the betrayal and disloyalty that they're going to face. For example, when Sayyidina Allah Ta'ala mentions, and just to show you that this can happen, another story that comes in Quran, and we're going to do it with you when it comes, inshaAllah, the mother of Sayyidina Musa when she has to put her infant in the water, so Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala gave her tasalli, and He told her that, no, no, don't worry, that I'm going to be watching him, one day he will be returned to you. So when the actual moment came, that would be a moment of shock for a woman, a mother, when the actual moment came to put her baby boy in a raft on the water, it would have been too much for her to do probably. If she wouldn't have been able to do it because of shock. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent wahi, and the words there in Quran actually are the same thing, wahi. So Allah ta'ala, and she's not a Nabi. So in Quran al-Karim, it's been established that Allah ta'ala can sometimes send a special inspiration that is called in Arabic, ilham to those special, select, close, beloved servants of His who are not in the Anbiya, and their name in Qur'an al-Kareem itself is called Awliya and Siddiqeen. Similarly, you will find similar stories in the Ashab al-Kaf, and similarly, what we already did for you, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a special uh, slumber and drowsiness on Ashab al-Badr. Remember the night before the battle, so He shored them up before the shock of facing a much larger army than them overtook them. All right. After putting them in the well, right? So here, now here, the Quran Kareem doesn't mention anything about how Yusuf Alayhi felt and what happened. Why? Because it's enough. It's enough that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said, "Wa ilayhi bi'amrihim hada la Let me explain that. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, and we reveal to, we sent our wahi and we reveal to Sayyidina Yusuf Alayhi saying what that. Sure enough, you, Sayyidina Yusuf al-Sam, will one day tell all of them about this affair that they have devised against you, though they may not even realize it at that time. Right? So it gives them that you are going to live to see a brighter day. Allah Ta'ala shows them the light at the end of the tunnel in advance, that don't worry, you're going to make yourself out of this. And one day you will be sitting on this side and they will be on that side and you will be informing them about all that they plotted against you. And they won't even realize it. They don't even realize it now that that day will come. Okay, now they return. Waja'u abahum. So all all of these brothers then they return back to their father. Isha'an during nightfall. Yabkuna and they were weeping. They were weeping. Now this is a different type of weeping, right? This is <laughs> sometimes our children do this, and we tease them. We have fashioni rore, koini rore, right? They're false crying. But they were actually successful. One is to make the face, and one is actually to be such a good actor, to actually be able to shed tears, to induce tears on yourself. So what is happening here, that they were crying to strengthen their claim. Right? 
And this is a general rule that our Mashaikh have taught us, that the louder the person is and the more assertive they are in what they're saying, chances are that there's something wrong somewhere and their claim isn't actually true. They're not re- what they're claiming happened didn't really happen. This is a lesson we learn in life, that the more assertive and the more customs and the more crying and the more wailing and the more taqeed that a person gives, it suggests that the core of the story is weak and therefore they need all of these entrapments and all of this gift wrapping. And quite amazingly, this is men who are doing this. And obviously women far surpass the men in their ability to procure tears when needed. But Quran and Kareem is showing that even men can be capable of this. Even men can be capable of this. All right. And why does this happen? Because the reality is, is that tears melt the hearts of people. Right? And it's actually a well thought out strategy. And Sayyidina Yaqub salam's heart is going to be melted when he sees the tears of his sons. But the difference here is that if a false tear may still be successful at melting the heart of creation, but it will not in any way attract the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but that person who sheds true tears of remorse in tawbah for their sins, then just like even the false tears of this world can melt the hearts of creation, the true tear of tawbah, so to speak, metaphorically, can melt the heart of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In other words, incline and invite His power of His mercy and benevolence to fall down on a person. In fact, it comes in a hadith that the tear of one person will come to the Day of Judgment and he would have so many bad deeds and he will think that he's going to, it's over for him and obviously he's going to end up in Jannah then all of a sudden one thing will be placed on the other side and that will outweigh all of his bad deeds. And then he himself will be stunned. He won't recollect having done such any such adheem amal, any such great action. And then it will be told to him that once in your heart you made true tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not even you shed a tear, a teardrop formed in your eye such that it moistened one eyelash of yours. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala values that teardrop that single teardrop that moistened a single eyelash of yours, but you did that out of true tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala values that tear so much that that tear is enough to outweigh all of your sins and bad deeds. Allahu Akbar Kabeerah. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. So when the person of true tawbah cries to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives them immensely. And it's the tears of sinners that have a special value with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because you see in this world as well, that in the markets of this world, when something is imported, it always fetches a higher rate. It always fetches a higher price. The tears of sinners are not something to be found in Jannah. They have to be imported from this world. And therefore they have a special weight and value in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And indeed these nights, these nights of Ramadan, these are the nights where a person should learn how to cry. These are the nights when a person should cry to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over all of their sins. So they came to their father crying. And then what did they say? Inna dhahabna nastabiku wa tarakna yusufa in the mata'ina. And what happened to our father? We left and where did we go? We took off to race one another. And we left Sayyidina Yusuf behind with all of our stuff, with our belongings. فَأَكَلَهُ Now they got this idea, right? 
They got this idea that what was he worried of, so we'll just pretend that that is exactly what happened. And when we came back, what did we find? A wolf ate him. So obviously he would be a young boy, right? At this, not able to fend himself off from a wolf. وَمَا أَنْتَ بِمُؤْمِنٍ لَنَا And then they said that, Oh, our father, you're not going to believe us. وَلَوْ كُنَّ صَادِقِينَ Even if we were tell, even if we are telling the truth, you're not going to believe us even if we are telling the truth. All right. So, then what did they do to try to convince their father? So what did they do? They had brought to their father and they showed him the shirt of Sayyidina Yusuf with fake blood stained on it. With some type of fake blood that they had stained on it to make it appear as if that was Sayyidina Yusuf Yusuf's blood. Right? And now imagine this is such a horrific thing because what they're claiming is that they didn't find even the body of their brother. That the body has been totally mauled and destroyed and eaten by the wolf or dragged away to his lair. So imagine what a father would feel that the, that their young son has been attacked and eaten alive to such a level. And that the only thing is left is this shredded shirt, right? The only thing, otherwise they should, have, they should have brought the body back, right? So the only thing that is left is the shredded shirt. So how did Sayyidina Yaqub respond to them? So he said to them, that he said to them, no, no, he refused to believe it. He said, no, but rather your own selves, and there are two ways you can translate this, your own selves have prompted you to do something wrong. Your own nafs and your desires have prompted you to do something, parentheses wrong. And it can also mean that you can also translate it that no, this is nothing other than something that your own selves have contrived and come up with. This is nothing else than your own selves have contrived and come up with. Either way, what does he say? What is his response? So he says, and in some sense he's saying this to himself, but he can be viewed as that he is addressing it to them. So what does he say? فَصَبْرٌ جَمِيلٌ That indeed, no, patience is the most honorable and best thing to do. وَاللَّهُ الْمُسْتَعَانُ عَلَى مَا تَصِفُونَ And it's Allah SWT alone to whom help can be sought against what it is that you have described to have happened. It's Allah Taala alone whose help who can be sought against what it is that you have described to have happened. Alright. What do we learn from this? Number one, sabrun jamil. It means that when a person is faced with bad news, they shouldn't be melodramatic. They shouldn't start wailing. They shouldn't create a dramatic scene. They shouldn't start complaining. They shouldn't start crying. Rather, if, they, if instead they have sabr, and that sabr that a person has right at the moment when a bad news is given to them or a calamity or an affliction, a calamity or a devastation afflicts them, that sabr is jameel. That is the most beautiful, noble, excellent type of sabr. And why is it also Jamil? Because then Allah SWT will help that person as we did earlier in the Quran, إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَ الصَّابِرِينَ That indeed Allah SWT's ma'iyyat, His own intimate companionship and His special help and care are going to be with the people of sabr. So whenever a person does sabr jameel, then Allah SWT will take them out of that difficulty, will strengthen their heart against that tragedy. This is why Allah SWT says in Quran Al-Kareem, elsewhere in Quran, إِنَّمَا يُوَفَّ الصَّابِرُونَ أَجْرَهُمْ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابِ That indeed Allah SWT will grant 
the people of Sabr, Sawab, they will he will grant them an ajr bagheir hisab. He will grant them a reward without any limit whatsoever, without any enumeration whatsoever, an unlimited amount of sawab. Okay, now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse 19 onwards returns to now what happened to Sayyidina Yusuf al-Islam, that he's in that well. Now all of that time he must have been in the dark depths of that well. What had kept him going was the wahi that Allah ta'ala had sent upon him. Was this communication sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to him. So now what happened? وَجَاءَتْ سَيَّارَةٌ So then a caravan of travelers came by. فَأَرْسَلُوا وَارِدُهُمْ فَأَدْلَى دَلْوَهُ So they sent the person who in the caravan, the water drawer, they sent him to the well, and he lay down his bucket, and then when he drew his bucket up, what did he see? So he let down his bucket, and then when he, what did he see? When he looked into the well, يَا بُشْرَى Oh, what good news! هَذَا غُلَام Look, this is a, here is a young boy. So what did they do then? Then they took him away. They hid him like a piece of merchandise. They hid him like a piece of merchandise. And all the time Allah SWT was completely informed about every single thing that they were doing. Then when they went further ahead, what did they do? And they sold Sayyidina Yusuf like a slave. This is what it was. That these people, and it shows you right the lawlessness and injustice of that time, that when you find a young boy, you should try to ask him, who are your parents? How did you end up in the well? Can we return you to your family? Right? No. This He was immediately enslaved. And then at some point later on, those travelers in that caravan, they saw an opportunity and they sold him. But what did they sell him for? Bithamanim baksin, that they sold him for a paltry sum. And how does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describe that in the Qur'an? Darahima ma'duda. A few silver coins. A few silver coins. Wakanu fihi min zahideen And what does this mean? This means, and they were, and they thought him of little worth. They thought him of little worth. They didn't view that he had any value. They thought him of little worth. Let's just sell him for a few silver coins and move on. Now the person who bought him, وَقَالَ الَّذِي اشْتَرَاهُ مِنْ مِسْرَ So that man from Egypt who bought him said to لَإِمْرَأَتِهِ to his wife أَكْرِمِي مَثْوَاهُ That you should adorn his home means metaphor, it's, it's a metaphor, it means you should take good care of him. You should look after him well. Why? أَسَاءً يَنْفَعَنَا Maybe he will be of some use to us. أَوْ نَتَّخِذَهُ وَلَدَ Or maybe we will take him and adopt him as a son. Alright. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and after so then they took him to Misr. And what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say about this? وَكَذَلَكَ مَكَّنَّا لِيُوسُفَ فِي الْأَرْضِ And thus did we settle Sayyidina Yusuf in that land. So this is the answer, first of all. right? This is the beginning of how the Bani Israel are going to come. right? Yusuf how this starts. So we settled Sayyidina Yusuf in that land. And later on, what did we teach him? Later on we taught him فَلَنُعَلِّمَهُ مِن تَعْوِيلِ الْأَحَدِيثِ And later on certainly indeed we taught him the interpretation of dreams. وَاللَّهُ غَالِبٌ عَلَىٰ أَمْرِهِ And Allah SWT always prevails in His purpose. وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ However the vast majority of humanity does not know that Allah SWT's Amr will always prevail. Alright. Now, when Sayyidina Yusuf had been left in the well, here we have another big lesson. And that was when the darkness of the night fell, so Sayyidina Yusuf became very sad. And he didn't have his father to look out for me. 
and he didn't have his brothers to look out for me. And now his own brothers had betrayed him. So this is a lesson that it's always whenever a person is hurt by those who are close to them, it always hurts more. That's why they say in English, the ones who you love the most are the ones who will hurt you the most. The ones who are the closest to you can be the ones who hurt you the most. So keeping that in mind, we can just imagine how hurt Sayyidina Yusuf was at that moment. But he made lots of du'as to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that well. And maybe we will hand that to Imran as well, because in the hadith, it has come in hadith, Nabi Akrim Sallallahu has taught us in hadith, what are the du'as that Sayyidina Yusuf made at that time. And we, the reason why we need to learn those du'as is that many of us, we also fall in a dark well. Not literally, but in the dark well of our own trials and tests and tribulation. Sometimes we fall into the pits of emotional despair. So at that time as well, we should remember the story of Sayyidina Yusuf and how he turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One question that is raised here that obviously... Everyone knows and it's coming shortly that Sayyidina Yusuf was extremely handsome. Right? So the question is that why did then the original people who captured him as a slave, why did they sell him for such a small sum? One reason can be is that Allah subhanahu wa was teaching us here early on that beauty actually is not something of so much worth. And that's why the word Allah subhanahu wa used for them, for these people, كَانُوا فِيهَا مِنَ الزَّاهِدِينَ To Zahid comes from Zuhud, and that is that person. And literally the translation meant here that they viewed him to be of little worth. But another way you can understand this, that Zahideen are those people who are unconcerned with the physical outward beauties of this world, who are not allured and attracted by the physical beauties of this world. So that was also a lesson for us, that, that apparent beauty is not worth any more than a few coins. So therefore we should not ever sacrifice our iman for the sake of our apparent beauty. That if our iman tells us to do something, or our deen tells us to do something, or there are cases in which our deen tells us to conceal our beauty, we should not rather choose that, no, if I'm a woman, for example, that I would rather display my beauty to the world to get the appreciation and favors of this world. That would be sacrificing our iman and the teachings of our deen for something that is just worth a few silver coins. All right. Now, the person who ended up, the person from Misr who had purchased him and his wife was actually the ruler of Egypt. And what did the ruler want? So the ruler actually was a very soft-hearted person. He actually wanted that saying Yusuf should be given love and care by the household. Why? Now, it's very important. He wanted, he told his wife to treat him well as give him love and care. Why? So that saying Yusuf becomes a loyal and faithful member of this household. This is what the ruler had in mind. That treat him well, take good care of him, give him a graceful room and a nice place to live so that he will grow up to be a loyal and faithful member of this household. So much so that when he becomes so loyal and faithful, maybe we may even adopt him as a son. Now later on, this faithfulness is going to come into play when you're going to see the possibility or the accusation or rumor of an accusation that Sayyidina Yusuf has betrayed him. <coughs> Another point that the Mufassirun mentioned here was that there were two such wives. The first was the wife of Fir'aun and she also adopted Sayyidina Musa 
And here is the wife of the, they call them the Aziz of Misr, the ruler of Misr. They also, she, this couple also adopted a boy. The difference was that in the case of the wife of Fir'aun, the husband was corrupt and the husband was a tyrant, right? And he was Fir'aun. However, the wife, Sayyidatina Asiyah radiallahu ta'ala anha, she ended up becoming a mu'mina and she believed in the boot of Sayyidina Musa Islam. And here, it's a difference that here the wife of the Aziz of Misr didn't become a person who initially believed in Sayyidina Yusuf but rather she became a sabab, a fitna. It became a fitna for her. What does it mean? That for the first woman, Sayyidina Asiya, adopting the son became a means for her to accept Iman and the Nabi of the time. And for her, adopting the son became a fitna, a test for her that she was tempted by his beauty and she, was, she experienced lustful feelings towards him. So the difference is as follows, is that the wife of Fir'aun, because Sayyidina Musa Islam was a baby, so she looked at Sayyidina Musa Islam with purely a motherly gaze. Whereas this woman was a bit younger and also Sayyidina Yusuf Islam was much older, so she looked at Yusuf Islam not with a motherly gaze, but with a womanly gaze. And the motherly gaze became the suburb of that first woman, became the suburb of that first woman getting Nabuwa, and the womanly games became the suburb of the second woman losing her haya and her modesty. So this tells us a lesson. That the very way we look at someone, the very intention by which we look at someone will determine whether we will have haya and modesty and purity and chastity in our relationship with that someone, or whether we will have impurity and immodesty and lack of chastity in our relationship with someone. And that is why all of you know that our deen and sharia and Islam and Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taught us to lower our gaze and to purify our gaze. To lower our gaze and to purify our gaze because what we look at and the feelings with which we look at what we look at, that actually can bring us into much trial and fitna. This last part, Wallahu ghalibun ala amrihi. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all powerful in bringing His will and His command and His wish to prevail. But most of humanity do not know. So there are many, many things that you can even take from this. Number one, Sayyidina Yaqub alayhi salam wanted to protect Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam and thought it would be enough not to tell them the dream. But Allah ta'ala's will is ghalib. His will is ghalib. And His will was that even if the dream isn't revealed, even then the brothers will feel hasan. So whose will prevailed, whose decree prevailed? That of Allah subhanahu ta'ala. Second is that Sayyidina Yaqub alayhi salam wanted that the rest of the brothers should love their two half-brothers as much as they love their own selves. But Allah Ta'ala decreed that shaitan would whisper the feelings of enmity in them. So it wasn't the will of Yaqub that prevailed, but rather the will of Allah Subh'anaHu Ta'ala that prevailed. Initially, the brothers wanted to end the life of Sayyidina Yusuf or they wanted him to be forgotten and be made into a slave forever. But as you're going to see, it was the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that prevailed. And Allah ta'ala protected him and then he survived and Allah ta'ala bestowed honor and dignity upon him. The brothers wanted that by taking Yusuf away from their father, they could decrease the love that their father felt for Sayyidina Yusuf But what Allah ta'ala wanted will prevail and actually had the opposite effect. You're going to see that later as well. That it only increased the love that the father had for Sayyidina Yusuf The brother's plan was that they would put him into a well and he would end up in slavery. Allah Ta'ala's plan by the end is that Allah Ta'ala is going to put him not as a slave but as a palace and as a minister in the palace in the favor of the king. 
the people of the caravan thought that they could enslave this free boy that they found. And they tried to make a slave out of him. The will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was to make a governor and minister out of him. So in all of these many, many features, even in the story itself, that it's always the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that prevails. And when we know that, then that is why it is better than that we turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whenever we are in any difficulty and travesty. Because if we can get Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on our side, if it, His Amr, His command is issued to take us out of that difficulty, then His will will prevail over all enemies and all people have envy and any and all people have envy and jealousy towards us. Alright, verse number 22. So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Quran al-Kareem that when Sayyidina Yusuf al-Islam attained the age of maturity, then what did, we, what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do? nahu hukmaw wa ilma. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we gave him wisdom, it can also mean judgment. And these two things are related. Because wisdom is that attribute which enables a person to successfully make decisions and to judge so we gave him the ability to judge according to wisdom, wa ilma, and we bestowed knowledge upon him. Thus do we reward those who do good. Now comes the main feature of the story. Verses twenty-three onwards. The woman in whose house Sayyidina Yusuf was living tried to seduce him tried to seduce him towards herself. What did she do? She bolted all the doors. And then she said to him, this famous statement in the Quran, وَقَالَتْ هَيْتَ لَكَ And she said to him, قَالَتْ هَيْتَ لَكَ She said to him, come to me. قَالَ Sayyidina Yusuf What did he respond? When a woman was presenting herself to him for sin, when the woman had locked the doors and no one would have known if he had agreed to do that sin, and one can imagine and surmise, I think with reasonable, that if she is the wife of the king, the king would obviously have selected a very beautiful woman as his wife. A very beautiful woman is herself completely willing to engage in sin with a young man in the prime of his youth now. Hmm? And no one will come to know about it. She's proffering herself to him. What did he say? Call Sayyidina Yusuf said, Ma'adh Allah. I seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ma'adh Allah. I seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Innahu Rabbi. That indeed your husband, he is my Rabb. Now what does it mean? I've explained to you earlier in the word of Seer that there are certain asma al-husna and sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that are used exclusively for him. Such as al-mutakabbir. And there are other words Allah SWT has used to describe himself that is also used for Ghairullah in Quran or have also come for Ghairullah in Hadith. So one such word is Rabb. So when Sayyidina Yusuf says that innahu Rabbi, he's not saying he's my Lord. He's saying that indeed your husband was my benefactor. Indeed your husband is your husband is my benefactor. He's my caretaker. He's my treating me as if I'm an adopted son. Right? So just like the word Rabb, the word Mola also, is also a word that can be used for Ghairullah. So indeed, here's your Rabb. And Ahsana Mathwaya. And indeed, look how wonderful and noble is my abode that I have here. Indeed, it means that he has taken such good care of me. Literally, it means that what a wonderful lodging I've been given. But it means that he has taken such good care of me. 
So what was Sayyidina Yusuf implying here? What he was implying here is that I must be loyal and faithful to him. How could I do something with you that would be betraying him? Not let alone many other things that are going to come. Right? So first I seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you're inviting me to sin against Allah. And secondly, you're inviting me to betray the trust that your husband has put in me by treating me like an adopted son and giving me such a wonderful place in your home. And then, what did Sayyidina Yusuf He said to himself but and to her and a declarative, definitive statement. What did he say? إِنَّهُ لَا يُفْلِهُ الظَّالِمُونَ That indeed the wrongdoers, the ones who indulge in sin, they will never ever have falah, they will never prosper, they will never succeed. So sin will never lead to success, and it will never lead to felicity, it will never lead to joy. Alright, then what happened? After he said this to her, it had no impact on her whatsoever. Hmm? She was in a intoxicated and she was mm, absorbed in the feeling of passion and lustful desire for him. وَلَكَدْ حَمَّتْ بِهِ And indeed, nonetheless, what it means is that nonetheless, indeed, she yearned for him. She lusted for him. She desired him, yet she certainly desired him. Alright. وَهَمَّ بِهَا وَهَمَّ بِهَا لَوْ لَا أَنْرَى بُرْحَانَ رَبِّهِ And he would also have desired her were it not that he had seen a burhan, a clear and manifest proof and evidence from his Rabb. He may have, and he would have, and he may have indeed desired her had he not seen a clear and manifest burhan from his Rabb. We're going to come explain this in a moment. Let me just finish the translation of this ayah. 20. Mm. Four. So then Al-Spantal says, what does Al-Spantal say he did? كَذَلَكَ لِنَسْرِفَ عَنْهُ السُّوءَ And thus did we avert from Sayyidina Yusuf evil, وَالْفَحْشَاءِ and indecency. And why? إِنَّهُ مِنْ إِبَادِنَ الْمُخْلَسِينَ Indeed Sayyidina Yusuf is from amongst our servants. Allah Ta'ala is saying, from our rightful, devoted, devouty, devout, Servants and slaves. And what kind of servants and slaves? Mukhlasin. Indeed, he is from our chosen and select servants and slaves. Alright. This verse is explaining a one very important lessons about the relations between a man and a woman. Right? The first thing is that there is lawful relations between a man and a woman that takes place inside of nikah. Second is there are unlawful relations. There's, it can be unlawful relation that takes place outside of nikah. Within the unlawful relations, there are two types. One is what we call consensual, and the second is non-consensual. Non-consensual can mean physical force, rape. It can also mean seduction. It can also mean to seduce someone when their intention was not, and they had no such intention towards you. But to use seduction that is also viewed as a non-consensual, right? Not originally consensual type of unlawful relation. And this is a very big fitna of the time today. Lawful to khair, there's no fitna that's completely jais. Rape is obviously a horrific act, but that is relatively less in incidence and occurrence. This issue of seducing one another, this is become of increasingly widespread occurrence. 
be it through flirtation, be it through SMS, be it through online chatting, be it through talking, right? But this notion of seduction, this notion of seducing the other person. So what did she do? So she tried to seduce him. What does it mean? So when we translate, she tried to seduce him. Uh, Ravadat means she tried to seduce him, entice him, she tried to lure him, she tried to soften him up. So she didn't use force and she didn't threaten, right? Now one can only imagine how much she would have tried to seduce him. She must have come wearing her most beautiful clothing. She must have come adorned with her makeup and jewelry. She must have spoken to him in the most softest of ways. She already must have been such a beautiful woman. He's been living in her house for so long. So who knows for how long she has had these emotions, how long she has built up these emotions, how long she has planned and thought how she is going to act on these emotions. Right? And this is a huge, huge test. In fact, Allah Ta'ala says in Qur'an Al-Kareem, and we did this earlier in the Dora, زُيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ حُبُّ الشَّهَوَاتِ مِنَ النِّسَاءِ Allah Ta'ala says in Qur'an that indeed we have made for all of humanity, we have made beautiful and alluring, attractive them what? The lustful desires they have towards women. This is a Qur'anic statement, a fact given by Allah Subhanahu Wa that this is a feeling that men have and it's often a very big trial for them. And in fact, the ulama and awliya have said the biggest fitna of all fitnas for a man is how to control the unlawful, lustful passions and desires he has for women. Uh, for women, And to preserve and protect oneself from this is extremely rare. Really, I think only the kibare awliya, only the greatest awliya, Allah and siddiqeen can have ever saved themselves from this entirely. Otherwise, every man is guilty of falling into this one way or the other, at one point or the other, in one form or the other. Allahu Akbar. However, in the case of Sayyidina Yusuf salam, you find something different. Alright. So she seduces him. Another thing that some of the Mufassirun have mentioned is that here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not give her name. Did not mention her name. So some Mufassirun have said that the lesson is here is that if we are recounting an incident for lessons for other people, you will not expose that person. So in so to speak, you can say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose not to do ghibat of that woman by mentioning her name for all of eternity. So she's just known as Imrat Aziz al-Misr. And here again, she's just referred to in a pronomial form. That is why, by the way, you should also know that it is something that is for instructive purposes that you can tell people about certain incidents and events in which people fought off a sin or even succumbed to a sin, but you should not mention the name of that person. You should not mention the name of that person. And the person shouldn't think that just because they haven't mentioned my name, that's not enough. I remember once I was giving a lecture at a university and I talked about some guy, some girl who had fallen in love with some guy. Now, unfortunately, there were quite a number of girls who came to me at that university with this problem. But one particular girl got so offended, she thought I disclosed her secret. And so she was upset with me, and I told her that I didn't tell your name. I didn't say the guy's name. I wasn't even thinking of you per se. And what makes you think you're alone? There's so many people in this university who have come to me with this problem. What made you think that I somehow outed your secret? Hmm? So here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again has not mentioned her name. All right. Now will Allah Ta'ala mention here that what did she do? She bolted the doors. 
Now, again, Allah Ta'ala's Amr is ghalib. Badahar, she is bolting the doors, but Allah Ta'ala is going to use this whole incident ultimately as a way to open the doors for Sayyidina Yusuf Salam to get his honor and grace both in the eyes of the Aziz of Misr and again to regain his honor and grace with his brothers and again to be reunited with his father. Hear this word, innahu rabbi. Now most of the Mufassirun do translate this as that indeed your husband is my Rabb. But some of them have also translated it here as Ma'adullah innahu rabbi that I seek the refuge from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala innahu indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rabbi he is my Rabb. He has given me everything that I have. It's my Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who put me here in this home. It's my Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who made you give me such good lodging. It's my Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who made you take such good care of me. Here we should learn, the men should learn this lesson. These words, Ma'adullah, easily we can memorize and we should use them. Next time the internet tempts us, next time anything tempts us, next time a real live woman tempts us, Ma'adullah, Ma'adullah, we should say it. We should follow the sunnah of Sayyidina Yusuf salam. We should say it on our tongue and we should feel it in our heart that I am weak, I am nothing, I am just a creature of, I am verily just a creature of my own desires. The only hope I have to save myself from disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is if I seek the refuge from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the ishara here also as well, that this was something that shaitan had also perhaps inspired her to do, because we are taught in Qur'an al-Kareem that we should seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the machinations of shaitan. And that's why we always say, A'udhu billahi min shaitan rajeem. So this is called ta'awudh. And you will notice in ta'awudh, we only use the ismi azam, ismi jalal, ismi zad, Allah. We don't say Audhu bil Rahman min shaitan rajim. We don't even say Audhu bil Jabbar min shaitan rajim. We say Audhu billah. And here Sayyidina Yusuf also said Ma'adhullah. So it means that there is a special power as well in the Ismi Azam, Ismi Jalala, Ismi Zat. And we should learn and become people who are trained to tap into the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's Ismi Azam. And overall, the feeling behind the statement is he did Ruju ilallah. That he turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is another lesson for us that whenever we are tempted with sin, faced with the opportunity of sin, what are we supposed to do at that moment? We must do ruju ilallah. We must turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Nabi Akram said in hadith that when a person is faced with the opportunity of sin, and at that moment they turn to Allah and they save themselves from sin, at that moment whatever dua they make will be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is a moment of kubulit dua that they saved themselves from sin solely and exclusively for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, another thing, another lesson here is that what did Sayyidina Yusuf salam do? He didn't give her a shari argument. He didn't tell her when he told her, right? This is the arguments he's trying to tell her. Two arguments, that number one, that your husband has indeed taken such good care of me. And number two, that wrongdoers and people who commit sin can never prosper, can never succeed, can never have joy. He didn't say, Zina is haram. Right? He didn't say that to her. Why? Because he realized that this woman is completely overwhelmed in an emotional state with her lustful passions and what is halal and haram is not going to make any difference for her at this moment. Merely telling her that it's haram is not going to suffice for her. I have to try to reach her through some other type of emotion. So number one emotion he tried to use for her is he tried to remind her that obviously that same husband of yours who is so kind and loving to me and has raised me so well, he's also such a good and kind and loving husband to you. So you should remember and think of your husband at this moment. 
He tried to make an emotional appeal to her. And second thing, so this is the emotion of what? This is called the emotion of being faithful. This is also an emotion that a human being is supposed to have. And this emotion should be strong. That's why even in the English language they call it infidelity. Infidelity means that you didn't have fidelity. Infidelity is a fancy way of saying that you didn't have loyalty, that you betrayed. And this is what we have. This is a problem that we have, is that we don't have, I have, we have, that we're not as faithful and as loyal to our relationships as we should be. And because that feeling of faithfulness and loyalty isn't so strong, then the feeling of lust can overcome it. If the feeling of loyalty and faithfulness was strong, then the feeling of lust would not have been able to overcome it. So he tried to instill in her, he was combating an emotion with an emotion, he was trying to incite in her the emotion of being faithful and of being loyalty. And this is known as ihsan, right? And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Quran al-Kareem, Hal jaza'ul ihsani illa al-ihsan is indeed the reward and recompense for ihsan from being loyally faithful, other than that you do good to others, other than the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will do good for you. That if we are loyal to our relationships in this world, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will show His loyalty, so to speak, to us by giving us jannatul for those for all of eternity. اگر ہم ایک دوسرے کے رشتے کو نبھائیں پھر اللہ تعالیٰ اپنا ہمارے ساتھ رشتے کو نبھائیں گے اینڈ اگر ہم ایک دوسرے کے آپس میں رشتے میں کچے ہوں تو دین وی ڈونٹ نو وی پرنگ یور سیلف ان ڈینجر رائٹ سو وی ہیو ٹو بی تھینکفل ان فیس ویز اے جنرل لیسن دیٹ وی شوڈ فیل ان احسان دا ادر پرسن شوڈ ڈو وٹ یو کال احسان جتانا بٹ وی شوڈ فیل فیلنگ آف لوئلٹی اینڈ فیسفلنس دوز پیپل ہو ہیو ڈن گڈ تھنگس ٹو اس And that's why even many times in Mashaikh of the Sawaf, they give the example of a dog. That don't you see how a dog, even if in Deen of Islam and Shari is considered najas, his saliva is najas. If he licks you, you have to change your clothing before you pray. But at the same time, that dog is so loyal to his master, has so much faithfulness and loyalty to his master. Much hmm? poetry has been written on this, on the faithfulness of the dogs. Similarly, I had mentioned to you earlier how Sayyidina Rasulullah was loyal to the people of Medina Manawra, that they did this ihsan on him, that they took him in when his own community was expelling him. Therefore, after Fatah Makkah, no matter how much he loved Kaaba and would have loved to have stayed in Makkah, but he went back to Medina Manawra because he was loyal to them. And he said that you gave me a home and I didn't just use you for the time being that okay, I'll stay with you when I don't have Makkah Makarramah. Even when he got Makkah Makarramah back and he was able and could have completely lived and resided once again next to Kaaba, he was loyal to the people of Medina Manawra. That you gave me a home when my own people turned me out. Even though Allah Ta'ala has given me this fatah, I will return and I will live with you and I will be laid to rest with you and my entire ummah will come and do ziyarah of me with you my entire ummah will come to Medina Manawra. Allahu Akbar. This is something we should learn from Nabi Yaqim Look at his loyalty. Right? I don't know of any human being who is loyal to others the way Sayyidina Rasulullah was loyal to the Ansar of Medina. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْآلَمِينَ And then the second emotion that he tried to give her was that that indeed the people who do sin will not ever succeed. So he tried to put in her the emotion of failure, right? The emotion of humiliation, the emotion of disgrace. And that should also be an emotion. 
And if we realize how disgraceful we make ourselves in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that emotion of disgrace should have overpowered our emotion of lustful passion and desire and should have also prevented us from going on to sin. Then Allah Ta'ala had said that He would have, and He may have, desired her had He not seen the proof from His Lord. So what was that burhan? According to some books of tafsir, He recalled His father. Because He was always thinking of remembering His father, right? Always remembering Sayyidina Yaqub And then He remembered that I'm the son of a prophet. I'm Ibn al-Nabi. I'm the son of a Nabi. And then He also remembered, another thing that He remembered, the burhan that Allah Ta'ala had sent Him. The wahi that Allah Ta'ala sent him when he was on the well, in a sense that his own, the precursors, and some say that even the actual advent of his own nubuat. Others say that he remembered that what Allah Ta'ala had told him. Remember that Allah Ta'ala said, Ateinahu hukma wa ilma. Allah Ta'ala given them hikmah, the wisdom to judge properly. And so that was the burhan that that hikmah, the hukm, the wisdom to judge according to, the ability to judge according to wisdom, that was what Allah Ta'ala had given him. And obviously, Wisdom would dictate that he does not respond and does not indulge in the sin with her. So there's a big misunderstanding that some modernists, Naudu Billah al-Alman al-Hafiz, some modernist, progressive, secular, liberal Muslims, when they translate, they like to think as if Sayyidina Yusuf was also feeling desire for her. That when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, biha, and they stop there, they don't join it to the, what comes after Lola, that he may have desired her were it not for the burhan that Allah ta'ala had given him. So yes, certainly if Allah Ta'ala had not given him that burhan and not given him the precursors of his nabuat or made him even actually because some feel he was already a nabi at this time, if he was an ordinary man, if he had not been who he was, yes, he may have also desired her. But given who he was, that he had been given the burhan, that Allah Ta'ala had given him the hukam, had given him that ilm, he did not desire her. That's what the Quran is saying. So it's a big fallacy. It's a big fallacy. All right. And furthermore, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions at the end that innahu min ibadin al-mukhlasin that he is from the mukhlasin it can mean chosen it also means pure and sincere. It means that because he was mukhlasin from the mukhlasin that he was made himself pure, he had made himself. One is mukhlasin, one is mukhlasin. Those of you study grammar mukhlas is maf'ul. It's a person who has been made pure, been made sincere. Right? So because he's already on purity, already on sincerity, he had a pure niyyah, he had no intention of doing anything with her, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala averted that evil from him. And you're going to see that in a moment, how that evil is going to be averted from him. Right? Okay. Wastabak al-Baba. So what do they do? They, two of them, they race towards the door. Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi was ahead. And normally that's understood because men can run faster than average man can run faster than a woman. He was a young man in the prime of his youth. So he was ahead. And what did she do? وَقَدَّدْ قَمِيسَهُ مِن دُبُرٍ Allah Ta'ala says, and she ripped his shirt from behind. And then what happened when they reached the door, what did they find? They found Sayyidaha. They found her husband, her master. It's, they found the husband at the door means that he had just ladal bab, that he had probably just opened the door. Or he was right at the door, or he had just opened the door. Kalat. So what did she immediately, immediately, without a hesitation, without a moment's hesitation, look how she spins, look how she changes gears. What did she say immediately? Ma jaza'u man arada bi ahlika su'an. 
that what should be the recompense, what should be the punishment meted out to any person who wishes, who intended to do some indiscretion and engage in some immodesty with your wife. Now all of a sudden she's ahlika, she's your wife, right? All of a sudden she's your wife. Okay. So, and then, and then she immediately, immediately also, not only she's what we call judge, jury, and executioner, next thing she immediately also passes the sentence that what indeed should it be? Other than that either yusjana, that such a person, yusjana, such a person should be imprisoned, or even maybe something more than that, adabun alim, that they should be inflicted with a painful punishment. A painful punishment should be inflicted upon them. Alright. So now, she immediately has accused, she is immediately accused Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. Alright. Now, uh, he has to respond. He has to respond, so he also responds immediately. What does he say? Qala Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. Hiya ravadatni an nafsi. That no, no, it's her. It's her, it wasn't me. It was she who tried to seduce me. It was she who tried to seduce me an-nafsi against my will, against my wishes. It was she who tried to seduce me an-nafsi against my will, against my wishes. وَشَهِدَ شَاهِدٌ مِّنْ أَهْلِهَا And then what happens that a witness, and I'll come back to this in a moment, and a witness from her ahl, from her family had actually witnessed this. A witness from her family observed. What did the witness from her family observe? In kana kamisuhu kudda min kubulin. That look that if his shirt was ripped from the front side, we have a way to check, then she is true and he is a liar because it means he would have been advancing towards her and in self-defense she would have been staving him off and she may have managed to rip his shirt from the front. Then she is true, fasadakat. She would be true, but huwa min al-kathibin, and he would be amongst the liars. However, wa in kana kamisuhu kudda min dubur. However, if his shirt is ripped from behind, fakadabat, then she is lying, wa huwa min al-sadikin, and then he is amongst the people who are truthful. فَلَمَّا رَآ كَمِيسَهُ So then when her husband, the Aziz of Misr, he saw the shirt of Sayyidina Yusuf Islam, And what did he see? قُدَّ مِن دُبَر That indeed it had been ripped from behind. So what did he say? قَال So the husband said, إِنَّهُ مِن كُنَّا Indeed this is certainly from your own treachery or women. كُنَّا Interestingly here he has used the plural form here that this is from your treachery or women. I'll come back to this as well at the end. إِنَّكَيْدَ كُنَّا أَذِيمٌ Indeed, the treachery and trickery of you women is great and azim. It is enormous indeed. يُوسُفُ أَعْرِذْ أَنْ هَذَا That Yusuf Islam ignore this matter. And you, O my wife, O وَاسْتَغْفِرِي لِذَنْبِكَ You should go and seek forgiveness for your sin. إِنَّكِي كُنْتِ مِنَ الْخَاطِئِينَ Indeed, you were from the ones who were on error and you were guilty. Alright, now this is this whole issue. Now let's comment on all of these lines. First, first line that we did was that they raced towards the door, right? So first of all, it shows you that what Allah Ta'ala said earlier, that she had bolted the door, she had locked the door shut. And Sayyidina Yusuf knew that, but he still ran for the door. Why? So the lesson for us is that we must do everything that we can. 
We must make use of all the asbab. If we do everything we can, then Allah Ta'ala will do everything that He can. So even though outwardly apparently the doors are locked and there's no way for him to go, still it was the only way of escape from that room, so he ran towards it. So he felt that just like, in other words, Sayyidina Yusuf Sallam felt that it's my job to run away from the sin. It's Allah Ta'ala's job to open the door for me. <laughs> That's not what I can do. It's my job to run away from sin. It's to Allah's fault to open the door for me. So just like that, what does it mean? That whenever we find ourselves in the test and trial of sin, we should flee. We should literally flee from it. Literally. And especially if it's this type of sin. If somebody is coming to meet you, you should flee from that room. If the internet is tempting you, you should flee from the room in which that computer is. Just literally get up and flee. Get up and leave. Get up and move. Make some harakah. Don't sit idle. Don't think that being stationary and idle, you have enough strength to overcome that sin. No, you will succumb to it if you remain pat and as put. You must flee and you must move. Similarly, a woman also, the women also should flee from those men who are trying to seduce them. If ever any, if there's any of our university going age or otherwise women here, right? Anytime you feel a man is even slightly being flirtatious with you, don't have, you should flee immediately. Don't think you have to be polite. Feel free to be rude. Be curt. Be abrupt. Cut your speech short with him. Don't give him any quarter. Flee from him entirely. The mistake women do is that when they, even when they don't initially intend sin and they get wrong vibes from a ghair mahram man, then what they do is they still indulge a little bit. They say, okay, well, I'm just SMSing. Or we only talk on the phone. That's where she draws her line. So she draws her haya line at this point that I'm just talking to him on the phone. No. Quran Kareem is teaching us, get out of there. Get out of there and get out fast. Get out of there and get out fast. Run for your life. <laughs> Run for your life. Flee this flirtation. Flee this seduction. Do not indulge in it even one drop. And this is what shaitan has done in the technology of today. He has drawn outer and outer concentric circles of interaction. Before, now today, every man has 24-hour access to a woman through SMS. Before, if a man was thinking about her at 2 a.m., he had no way to reach her. He's not going to call her landline PTCL. Her dad's going to pick up the phone, right? He had no way. He, had no, he, he couldn't do anything about it. He had no way to express himself. He just had to torture himself with those feelings. But now with email and SMS, 24 hours he can send. He can communicate. And same for the woman. 24 hours she can send. And 24 hours she can receive. And 24 hours he can receive. So we have to flee from it. We have to flee from the opportunity of sin. If we flee from the sin, if we show by fleeing from it that we don't want to do it, then Allah Ta'ala will save us from it. That's what the lesson is. Our job, flee from sin. Allah Ta'ala's response, if my servant you flee from sin, I will save you from that sin. No way will I ever let the sin that you flee from, I will never let that sin catch up and overtake you. But if you don't flee from it, it will engage you and it will entrap you. Now, Sayyidina Yusuf Islam, yes, he had to expose himself to this, that his shirt was torn. But we did before, earlier with you in Quran, وَلِبَاسُ taqwa ذَلَكَ ذَلَكَ khair. That indeed the garment of taqwa, that is better. So what did he do? So it's an option sometimes. He chose that he didn't want his libas of taqwa to be torn. He didn't want even the slightest hole to come in his taqwa. So he rather fled, even if it means 
losing something in this world. So the lesson is that the most important thing that we want to protect is our garment of taqwa, our armor of taqwa. We should not let even a single hole come into that. Another interesting word here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used to refer to her husband is Allah ta'ala uses the word Sayyid. Sayyidaha, Sayyidaha. Now Allah ta'ala didn't say Sayyidahuma, that he was both of their masters, although in the sense that he was, right? Even even just above saying Yusuf al has called him a Rabb. But here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making it clear that a husband is the Sayyid of the wife. A husband is the Sayyid of the wife. And this doesn't mean, it's not supposed to be used that for oppressive, tyrannical, dictator, unjust, ruler, tyrant. It doesn't mean like that. But Sayyid means that noble, wise, loving, soft, gentle, tender leader of the wife. Alright. Now, next thing is that what was her response? So her tone changed entirely. Just a moment ago she was seducing him and now she's putting the entire blame on him. So this is also a sign of sin. This is a sign that this wasn't true love. If it was true love, if she really was his her lover, right? Then the lover is willing to take all blame themselves. The lover would not want anything to happen to their beloved. The lover would die before their beloved went to jail. The lover would die before their beloved was faced with a terrible punishment. So it's clear that this wasn't true love. And this is a sign for us as well. And many young men and women, they think that the lustful puppy love crushes that they have, they think that's love. And they send long emails, no, I really love him, I'm really in love with her. I'm really in love with her. I'm really in love with him. Right? So I want to making it clear, this is not love. This is the sign of what our mashaykh on nafsani, shahwani, shaitani, false, majazi, hmm? false, untrue, fake, lustful love, that they want to blame the other one. And they're even ready. She's ready for him to be azabun adim. That's the word used in Quran for Jahannam. So she's not his true lover. She wanted to use him for the moment for her lustful passions. And the women should also know that not all these guys, but there are some men out there who want also to use you just for their lustful desires. Just for their lustful desires. And the sign of that will be that later they will blame you. Later they will say it was your fault. Later they say it was you, it wasn't me. True love would be the person would blame themselves. True love means they would take responsibility themselves. And that's why also that if ever we make toba from any such relationship, we should view it that it was our fault. If a man makes toba from an illicit relationship he had with a woman, he should view it was 100% my fault. It wasn't her fault at all. It was all my fault. And if a woman makes toma of an illicit relationship she has with a man, she should view that it was all my fault. It wasn't his fault, it was my fault. I was wrong. I should have been strong. I should have been like Sayyidina Yusuf Alayhisam. I should have been able to say Allah. That's each part, that's the true love, right? Okay. I also mentioned this too, that she invoked herself as her El, just this exact same emotion that Sayyidina Yusuf Alayhisam was trying to make her realize that you are someone's wife and have the loyalty and fidelity and faithfulness that it has. Now she invokes that same relationship to falsely accuse Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. Alright. Okay. Inshallah, uh, Omar Babur, you're passing around you and your wife the sheet. Okay. Those of you, inshallah, who sign up with your email, we'll email you a list of du'as 
we'll compile for you the various du'as that Sayyidina Yusuf Islam is mentioned that he made in hadith at the different places so that inshallah you can make use of, memorize or even sight read these du'as when you find yourself because for a shortage of time I need to continue with the tafsir but inshallah we'll email you we will email you these du'as and you will need them to learn them and to memorize them and to use them alright All right, let's go back here then and continue in the Quran now, verse 30. وَقَالَ نِسْوَةٌ فِي الْمَدِينَةِ Okay, actually, you know, another thing is that what, what, what the husband said to her, the the kunna, he used the plural. So what he realized was that she did it out of her weak, lustful passion of a woman. So this he was also a wise man, right? So he didn't take it personally. He didn't take it personally. He didn't think that she's not happy with me. She's not content with me. She doesn't love me, Right? He realized and addressed her in such a way that look, that this is due to your womanly nature. That you allowed yourself to fall in love with this young man. So this is from the weakness and the treachery that a woman has, that she can allow herself also to fall. So the weakness of a man already did that ayah. Lest the women think that it's no, no parity. I already did the ayah for you. Elspan Quran, right? Well, Elspanta says that he has tested men with their love and attraction and the allure for the shahawat of Nisa. And here Allah Ta'ala is also making clear because Quran is kalamullah that women also have this. Women also have this treachery of the ability to have unlawful, lustful desires for a man. And what did he tell her, right? He told her to seek the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He told her to seek the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? So he didn't beat her, he didn't torture her, he didn't punish her, he realized that it's something you sinned against Allah. So first and foremost, you have to take care of that. You have to go and make istighfar for your sin. Alright, then what happened is what? Makala niswatun. So the women, fil madina aziz. Now what happens is, now news of this spreads. This tale spreads far and wide. Right? That, oh look. And it shows, obviously. Now, certainly Sayyidina Yusuf didn't say anything. Certainly the husband would not have spread it. Certainly she wouldn't have spread it either. But still, it shows you the power of rumor, that still rumors and tales have this ability to be outed and to be spread. And the tale spread so much, so now the women of the city. So what did they say? So they started mocking her, and they started making fun of her. The Imratul Aziz, look at the uh, woman of the ruler. Turawidu, that she is trying to seduce Fataha, she's trying to seduce her young male slave, annafsihi, against his own wishes and his own will. Kajsh shagafaha hubba, and indeed the love for her, now again they're calling it hub, but it means, right, intoxication, infatuation. Infatuation for him consumes her heart. And then all the women were saying about her that it is clear to us that she has gone completely astray. Now what happens to her when she hears this? So when she heard all of their malicious and foul talk, so what did she do? She sent an invitation for each and every one of them. She prepared a uh, a banquet for them. And each and every one of them came, because obviously when the wife of the ruler invites you to a banquet, you feel honored each and every one of them you came. 
And then what she did, that she gave each and every one of them, She gave each and every one of them a knife. And then she told Sayyidina Yusuf come out and show yourself to them. What does it mean? Now it suggests here that when the husband told her that you should go make istighfar for your sin, and he told Sayyidina Yusuf that just leave this matter, just ignore it, right? So that means he went back to becoming their khadim, he went back to becoming their loyal, faithful attendant in their home. And it was natural for him then that when she invited all these women, it was natural that on her command when she called him to come into the room, so he came in. Now when he came in, right, uh, so that you should come out, and when he came out, come out to them, then when they saw him, when all of those women saw him, what did they say? First they were stunned. They were absolutely stunned by his beauty. And what did they do? They cut off their fingers. Right? Now it doesn't literally mean they cut off their fingers, but it means they were... Maybe, maybe she gave them knives and she gave them fruit and they were cutting and when they saw him, they just started cutting and they didn't even realize they're slicing into their own hands. They didn't cut off their fingers, but they cut into, cut into their fingers, cut into their hands. Means they were completely overwhelmed and intoxicated by the husn of Sayyidina Yusuf Islam. So here again, right, the Aziz of Misr, his statement is borne out that women can succumb to the beauty and handsomeness of a man. And they can lose themselves when they notice the beauty and the handsomeness of a man. And every single woman there lost themselves in the beauty and the handsomeness of Sayyidina Yusuf And what did they say? Now what are they saying? Now now they make this statement. وَقُلْنَا And they said, حَاشَ لِلَّهِ They said that indeed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala مَا هَذَا بَشَرَ That this cannot be a human being. You mean so beautiful, cannot be a human being. إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا مَلَكٌ كَرِيمٌ that he, in fact, he can only be, he cannot be mortal, he cannot be a human, he could only be an angel, not even just any angel, Malakun Kareem, a precious, generous, soft, amazing, super duper angel. Allahu Akbar, they were so overwhelmed. Now she turns to them, Kalat, now she turned to them. And this is that same one who you used to tease me about and who you blame me for. Who, regarding whom you had spread these tales of me and you belittled me for and blamed me for. And then she admits here, وَلَقَدْ رَابَتْتُهُ nafsihi. She again says that indeed I tried to seduce him against his will. And look, even she says, فَاسْتَعْسَمَ And he wanted to remain chaste. So the greatest answer now to those modernist progressives who love to think that saying, Yusuf Lazamante, she herself, she herself is saying, and she obviously knew, and a woman could tell, right? She said, what is she saying? Fasta'sama, that he wanted to remain chaste. But then what you in lam yaf al ma'amuruhu. So she has not made toba. She says, if he doesn't do, now, if he doesn't do what I command, then what will happen? La yusjananna, that he will certainly be imprisoned. And then he will be degraded, he will be minasagirin, he will be degraded and humiliated. Now Sayyidina Yusuf is watching all of this, right? He's standing right there. Obviously, he was standing there, that's why they cut themselves. And he hears this dialogue, so he realizes that she's not at all. She's not given up at all. And in fact, now she's saying in front of all the women, and she's lost even all her shame. She's telling all the women. Before she tried to conceal, 
Now she confesses that she seduced me. She's confessed that I wanted to remain chaste. And now she's openly telling everyone her plan for me, that she plans to try to seduce me again, and she's going to command me to do it. And if I don't do it, she's going to put me in jail. So now Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam said, قَالَ رَبِّ السِّجْنُ That, O oh Allah, the prison, أَحَبُّ إِلَيَّ That's much more beloved to me. مِمَّا يَدْعُونَنِي إِلَيْهِ Much, much better to me than what these women are calling me to do. Now again, he's using the plural here because all of those women were witness, right? And all of those women were so intoxicated that they clearly felt that she was justified in doing this. So this also reflects the purity and innocence and chastity of Sayyidina Yusuf Laysam's character. And look at this, to protect himself from sin, not, it's not just that he's ready to go to jail. He says, I would love to go to jail. Oh, look at this taqwa. Not that I'm ready to be placed in jail. Ahabbu. I would love it. It's beloved to me. Jail is beloved to me. Over them that me even being invited to the sin. Allah Can you imagine if only the young man of today, if me and you had that taqwa. Hmm? I would rather go into jail, lose my freedom. Not see sunlight. Eat prison food. Right? Have no future. I would rather do all of that than even be in a place where I'm invited to sin. Allahu Akbar Kabeera. Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. I'm real model, a role model for the youth of this ummah. Hmm? And increasingly our elder men who also fall into the pitfalls of desire. Hmm? What a model. Allahu Akbar. These days, right? Nobody, the man is not, everybody is lust for their colleague, lust for the nurse, Right? He's not free of it at all. We're not free of this at all. And Saint Yusuf al-Islam has shown us, if we follow his way, how to make ourselves free from sin in the same way that he was. Many of you may have heard that there's a hadith of Nabi Kareem sallallahu that there's seven categories of men. So, sorry, seven categories of people who will be given the shade of the arsh of Allah found on the Day of Judgment, on that day when there will be no shade. And one of those seven is that youth, yeah, young man to whom a woman came and solicited him, offered herself to him, and he said, Inni Allah. Inni Allah, that indeed I fear Allah SWT. On the exchange for this amal, that he saves himself away from that woman, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him the shade of his throne on that day in which there will be no other shade. Right? So at least there should be one incident in our lifetime. At least there should be one incident in our lifetime, virtual screen, he say, in which we turned ourselves away from it and we said, Inni akhafullah, that indeed I fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Okay, what was it he was trying to save himself? He was saving himself from... <coughs> Let me finish. And his Rabb answered him. Let me finish that verse. And so in verse number 34, And his Rabb answered his prayer. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered his dua. And Allah is going to put him in jail. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered his dua. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to put him into jail. فَاسْتَجَابَ لَهُ رَبُّهُ And his Rabb answered his dua, فَصَرَفَ أَنْهُ كَيْدَهُنَّ And Allah Ta'ala averted away from him their plotting and their machinations. إِنَّهُ هُوَ السَّمِيُّ الْعَلِيمُ Indeed, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala is all-hearing, is all-knowing. Alright. What was it that he wanted to save himself from? He wanted to save himself from the invitation even to zina. Why? And that's why Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, لَا تَقْرَبُ الزِّنَا We did it earlier in the door, don't even go near zina. Different ulama and mashayikh have mentioned that there are certain disastrous effects of doing zina. 
Number one is that a person will fall deeply in their deen. When they do zina, all of their deen will go down. Their taqwa will go down, their ikhlas will go down, their haya will go down, their salah will go down, their dua, ability, ability to make dua to Allah will go down, the amount of the shaykh they recite will go down, their istighfar will go down, everything they have will go down. Second, their ilm of deen will go down. They will lose ilm, or they will be mahroom of future ilm. So especially for the people who are students of Islamic learning and classical Islamic learning and knowledge, they will have bibarkati in their ilm. They may forget the knowledge of Quran they already knew, or they may be making depriving themselves of future knowledge they may get. Third, that they will lose their intelligence. They will lose their intelligence. They will have decrease. Decrease, by lose I mean they will have a decrease in their intelligence and their wisdom. Allah Ta'ala will decrease the barakah in their risk. Allah Ta'ala will decrease the barakah in their memory. They will lose the nur on their face. They will, if they keep indulging in it, then they will start disliking people of taqwa. They will have nafrat for women who guard their chastity. They will be upset. They will actually be angry and upset at women who actually are chaste and pure and don't respond to their overtures and their seductions. And ultimately can go so far that they can even have bows with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They may even start feeling in their heart ill feelings, malice, rancor, spite, hatred towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's how far it goes and how far emotion a person ends up with when they end up on when they end up on the sin of zina. Alright. So when Sayyidina Yusuf said that, Oh my Rabb, uh, being in prison is more beloved to me. And then he said, Wa illa tasrif anni kaidahunna. So I'm going back, I skipped this part of ayah 33. If, oh my Rabb, if you do not avert from me, if you do not avert from me their cunning machinations, asub ilayhinna wa akum minal jahileen, then it may happen that I may be inclined towards them, wa akum minal jahileen, and then I will become amongst the ignorant. Now this doesn't mean, again, this does not mean that Sayyidina Yusuf is saying that if you don't save me, I'm going to engage in zina. It doesn't mean that. This was his humility. This was his piety. He was saying that, look, I, what we say, مَمَا تَوْفِيكِ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ I have no perfection of character. I have no greatness of character. I have no greatness of taqwa. It's only Allah Ta'ala's protection on me, Allah Ta'ala's ihsan on me. Just like Allah Ta'ala, you opened the doors and the husband was there. Just like that, I need to be continually safe from you. I have no power in myself except to flee. You have the power to save me. That's what Sayyidina Yusuf is saying over here. Alright? And what does it mean for us to go into prison if we want to follow this? We should leave the environment of sin and adopt some seclusion. So the young man, you may, not have, you may have to stop going to that party. You may have to accept the quote-unquote seclusion slash prison of your dorm room. You may have to be willing to go into seclusion and isolate yourself from those social gatherings in which you are invited to sin. If you are too weak and you cannot... Mm, and anyway, either way, even if you feel you're strong enough, you will never be strong enough. You will never be strong enough and therefore you should prefer that seclusion. You should prefer isolation from that company that invites you to sin. Alright? Then what happened? Thumma, so now let's go back to verse number 35. So what did the people do? So the people did mashra. And they decided that, you know, the governor's rep- the ruler of Misr, his reputation at stake. The whole royal household is at stake. So they decided that, okay, what we should do. In the end they thought it best after seeing all the signs of his innocence. They saw all the signs of his innocence. 
after they saw all the signs, means of his innocence, what they decide that they should imprison him. They deemed it proper to imprison him, hatahin for some time. So they thought, let's put him in jail and let matters cool down. Let everybody forget that she said this, let all those women forget that they cut themselves, let all those women forget that she confessed that she had this, let everything cool down, let the royal household regain its dignity. Right? Okay. What happened then? The two young men went into, entered into the prison along with him. And one of them, they told him a dream. They said to him, they said to Sayyid Yusuf that, okay, I had a dream in which I was pressing grapes. And the other one said that I had a dream and I was carrying uh, bread on my head and birds were eating it. And so they asked him that let us know the interpretation of this dream. So saying, let us know the interpretation of the dream. Indeed, we see, inna naraka min al We can tell that you are from the Mohsinin. And some have translated this as, you are people of knowledge. Imam al-Razir, Imam al-Tafsir said, Mohsinin here means that you are a person of knowledge. But it also means that you are a person of virtue, nobility, piety. You seem to be a person. Remember Allah Ta'ala said, we granted them hukam and ilm. We granted them wisdom and knowledge. You seem to be a person who could figure this out. So yes, he responded to them, I can tell you what this means. Even before any meal comes to you, before the next meal comes to you. So they were in prison, they were getting meals. So that's what it means. It says, before the next meal comes to you, I can even tell you. Before even the meal time comes, that's how quickly I can tell you what this dream means. And what did he say? However, he didn't attribute it to himself. He said, ذَلِكُمَا مِمَّا Rabbi, And this is from those things that my Rabb has taught me. And we did that earlier. Allah Ta'ala said, I've taught him ta'wil ahadith. So what is that? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, sorry, saying Yusuf al-Sam, before he tells them, he does some dawah on them. He does some dawah on them. Inni taraktu millati qawmin. That look that I have indeed, I have uh, rejected the faith of those people. La yu'minuna billahi. I have rejected the way and abandoned the path of those who don't believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And those who are deniers in the akhirah. And instead, what I've written, what tabatu millata Ibrahim, millata abai, Ibrahim wa Ishaq wa Yaqub. And instead, I've chosen to follow the way of my pious forefathers, saying Ibrahim alayhi salam, saying Ishaq alayhi salam, saying Yaqub alayhi salam. And it is not for us, wa ma kana lana. It is not for us, for me and any of us. He's addressing those two as well, right? Un, that we should engage, we should ascribe any partners with Allah subhanahu wa taala. All right. All of this is part of the favor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent down upon us. nas, And that Allah ta'ala has sent down on all of humanity. All of humanity. However, the vast majority of humanity is ungrateful. And, all right. And does not, is unappreciative of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now he addresses them. Ya sahibi yasijni. That, oh my two fellow prisoners. Is are multiple gods, are different gods, diverse gods? Is that better than having one? Better than Allahul Wahidul Kahar than that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala who is the one, the all dominant? And then He told them that Ma min dunihi, that whatsoever you worship other than Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, they are nothing than mere names that you have invented and come up with yourself. And they are names for which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not sent down any sultan, any sanction, any warrant, any authority for them. 
And you should know in al hukmu illa lillah. That indeed the hukm, the judgment, the sovereignty, the dominion belongs to no one except to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what has he decided? Amara Allah ta'budu illa iya. And he has ordained and commanded that you shall not worship anyone except him. And indeed this is the straightforward deen. However, the vast majority of humanity do not know. Finally, after making all of this dawah to them, right? They just wanted the interpretation of the dream. He wants to give them something more than that. He wants to show them how to live their life. Now finally he says to them, Ya sahiba yasijani, that oh my two fellow prisoners, now he gives them the interpretation of the dream. What is that? That the interpretation of the dream is this, that to the, and so he said, that one of you will serve wine to his master, right? Which means you are going to become uh, khadim of the master. And the other one is going to be crucified and the birds will literally pick and eat from his head. Will peck at his head and eat from his head. And he said that this is destined. Kudhi fihi. That indeed destined is the matter. Allah Ta'ala has already decided about this matter that you have been asking me, you have asked me about. Means there's no way that you can escape the interpretation of this dream. Alright. And then Sayyidina Yusuf Alayhisam that he said to the one that dhanna annahu najin, the one who he knew would be saved and would eventually be serving wine to the master. Right? So he told him that you should uthkurni in the rabbik that you should mention me to your master. Again here the word Rabb is being used for Ghairullah. It means that when you go to the ruler of Misr and you're attending him and you're serving him wine, you should mention me to him. But what happened? فَأَنْسَاهُ shaitan. So indeed this happened that this guy became freed and he ended up becoming selected as the attendant khadim of the king and he used to serve him. But he forgot. Who made him forget? Shaitan made him forget to do this. Shaitan made him forget dhikr rabbihi. Shaitan made him forget to mention Sayyidina Yusuf to his master. So then what happened that because of that, Sayyidina Yusuf remained in that prison bil asinin for a number of years. For a number of years, but it's a small number, for a few number of years. Okay. Now, there's a long story about how these two made it into prison. I'm just going to skip over that. That what brought these two prisoners into the jail. But the interesting thing was that the second they came into the jail, they could see. They saw, now they're, mashallah, not noticing, right? Now this is, look, even the prisoner man, he's not noticing the beauty of Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi They didn't notice that. They saw that he was Muslim. They saw his ilm. They saw his hukam. They saw the firasat. They saw nur and nabuhat on him. That's what they noticed. So this is also a teaching in Islam that between men, a man should, even a prisoner, even a prisoner of that time has enough piety to know, has enough mm, chastity in him not to notice the beauty of Sayyidina Yusuf Islam. So it all depends on the beholder, the niyat in which a, someone is beheld, right? And so they immediately had such an admiration and they had such a love for Sayyidina Yusuf Islam. Right? Now interestingly, right, that Sayyidina Yusuf salam has this uh, issue that people are, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his own command prevails over them. So even that young man who was freed, he had admiration and love for Sayyidina Yusuf salam and because of that he would have certainly told 
the ruler of Misr, but Shaitan made him forget. Shaitan made him forget. But before we get to that, what did, another lesson is that what did Sayyidina Yusuf Islam do? So this is the attribute of a da'i, a person who is calling people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not exclusive of a nabi. When people have a fondness and admiration and attraction to them, they use it as an opportunity. They use it, they view that as the right time to say the right thing. They view that as an opportunity to hit the iron when it's hot. That because of their admiration for me, they think that I can tell them the meaning of their dreams, right? But better than I first tell them what can save them in akhirah, and then I tell them the meaning of their dreams. And sometimes it happens. Many times we also feel, sometimes a person comes and asks us, many times the example I give us, sometimes a parent comes to ask us about their child. And I'm like, first I got to work on the parent. <laughs> right? So first then we have to try to give some time to work on the parents about their own selves before we come and answer their question about how they can do something about their child and their son. Alright? So this is a... You know, and he did it in a very little time. He did it in very little time. It also shows that when you do dawah on somebody, unsolicited dawah, because they came to ask, they didn't ask for the dawah, right? They asked for an interpretation of the dream. It's also a lesson for people who are engaged in the work of dawah. When you engage in unsolicited dawah, first you must attract that person towards you, and second you should do it briefly. You should give them brief, concise, but good pointers. Like Sayyidina Yusuf Zan gave them very good pointers. And if it's a person who doesn't yet have iman, you can sometimes even address their aql because their qalb is not yet activated. So one way, so he gave them this rational argument that there's not one god better than many gods who are deferring and disagreeing with one another. But then he gave them, right, the teachings of their heart and he told them that all of this is my rub has taught me. And so he wanted them to know about nubuwa, that they are such human beings who are selected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All right. Now what happens is the king sees a dream. So now when this attendant is there with the king, so the king is going to see a dream. So this is verse 54 onwards. The king said, oh no, sorry, uh, verse um, 43 onwards. So one day the king was sitting with his attendants and that attendant was there and he's telling the people that I dreamt about seven fat cows being eaten by seven lean ones and seven verdant, verdant mean green ears of grain or of corn and seven others that were withered. And so he addressed to all of his people there, and he told them that, Ya ayyuhal mala'u, that, oh my leaders, my counselors, if you can, let me, if you are able to, tell, tell me about my dreams, if in kuntum lil-ru'ya, ta'burun, I told you ta'bir ru'it is coming, if you are able to indeed interpret dreams. So the people around the king, they did try. Some people tried to tell him to ignore it. It's just a random dream. Maybe you're having it because of your mental tiredness. So what did they say? They said to him that these are confusing dreams. And we are not skilled. وَمَا نَحْنُ بِتَّعْوِيلِ الْأَحْلَامِ So another word is ahlam. So ru'ya, ahadith, ahlam. We are not skilled in the interpretation of visions that a person sees in their sleep. Means dreams. Right? Okay. At this point... The one who is the attendant and the one who used to give wine to the master. Now he remembered. All of a sudden, Shaitan made him forget that there is a person in jail who can interpret dreams. Right? So, uh, the prisoner who had been wakala ladhi naja'am minhuma, that from the two, the one who had been freed, the prisoner then at last, وَدَّكَّرَ بَعْدَ ummatin. That after a long period about ammatin, but after a long period of time, he remembered Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. At long last he remembered him. And then he said to the king, that, Ana unabbi'ukum. 
that I will tell you what this means, but you should give me some leave, let me go. Means that let me go and send me to Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. So then he went to Yusuf. He went to the prison, went down, met Yusuf, and he said, Yusuf, oh Yusuf alayhi salam, ayyuha siddiq, ayyuha siddiq, that oh truthful Yusuf alayhi salam. And then he told him, that tell us the meaning of seven of this dream, seven fat cows being eaten by seven lean ones, and seven green ears of corn and grain, and seven others are lean and withered. And if you tell me that, then I can return to the people to inform them. So then Qala Sayyidina Yusuf salam then told him the interpretation of the dream. What was that? That for seven years consecutively you will sow, you will grow, you will harvest crops as usual. And you should store all of that, all of that which you reap, you should store it and you should keep it Leave it in its ear, means store it, don't open up the corn, store the corn as it is. Apart from the little that you need to eat during those seven years. And then after that will come seven years of hardship. And in those seven hard years, then what you should do is you should consume all of that which you stored up for them. Except that little bit which you should again preserve to sow again because you will need some kernels of those grains and seeds of that corn to sow and plant again so that you can harvest again. Then after that there shall come after then after that there shall come a year when the people will have abundant rains and in which literally means they will extract juices. You can also say they will press grapes. Alright. Now lessons to learn from over here. Number one when he went to Sayyidina Yusuf salam to interpret the dream, Sayyidina Yusuf salam didn't complain to him. Where have you been? You forgot about me. You're calling me Siddiq. How truthful were you? You never told the master. Aap jane, tawari kaam jane. Right? Right? Why should I help you? You didn't remember me. He didn't say that. So much hill. So much sabr. Hmm? He's ready to help again. Ready to help again. Alright. So just like that, our own Shaykh used to taught us this in the following way. And that if, if, if there's a scholar or a alim or a teacher or a Shaykh and one of their students forgets something, some instruction that they were given, then the shaykh shouldn't make them mahroom thereafter of everything, and the shaykh shouldn't write him off. So Sayyidina Yusuf didn't write this person off, even though that person forgot one instruction of his. Alright. Another nukta that they mention here, because you're going to see here, that uh, when he goes back and he tells the king, so then verses 50 onwards, so the king says, uh, when the person went back and told the king, and the king said, uh, to bring him, bring him to me. Alright. So the nukta the Mashaik mentioned here that if a person gets the modifat ilm and modifat of dreams, that is enough to take them out of prison and put them into the favor of the king of this world, then what would happen if a person got the modifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? If a person gets the ilm and modifat of Allah, that will be enough to take him out from the life of this world and grant him the kingship in Jannah and grant him a place in Jannah till for those. If a person gets the ilm and modifat of dreams, that is enough to take them out from the prisons of this world and grant them a place by the king of this world. If they got the ilm and modifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that will be the sabab that when they take them out from the material pursuits of this world and grant them a place in genital for those by Rabbil Alameen, by the king of all of the universes and the worlds. Alright, so the king said, so back to verses number 50, so the king said, bring him to me. But when the messenger came to collect or to fetch Sayyidina Yusuf salam, he told them, that go back to literally your Lord, go back to your master and ask him, Fasalhu Ma Bala Niswatullati. Go ask him that whatever happened to those women who cut their hands, right? 
ان ربی بکید ہن علیم انڈیڈ مائی رب از ایکسٹریملی نالجبل اباؤٹ دیئر ٹریچری بٹ از یور میسٹر ڈز دا کنگ نو وٹ ایگزیکٹلی ہیپن ایم آئی گوئنگ ٹو کم آؤٹ ہیئر اسٹل ود دس ایکوزیشن آن می ایم آئی گوئنگ ٹو کم ہیئر اسٹل ود مائی ریپوٹیشن مارڈ اور ایم آئی گوئنگ ٹو کم ہیئر ہیونگ بین سم بڈی ہو از فاؤنڈ اینڈ ڈکلیئر ٹو بی انسینٹ آف آل رانگ ڈوئنگ سو ایس ایڈ گو اینڈ فائنڈ آؤٹ سو دین دا کنگ So he went back and he must have conveyed the message, right? So uh, the king then asked, Kala, so the king asked the women that, so now we're here on verse number 51. The king asked the women that what happened? What, what, what exactly transpired when you tried to seduce Sayyidina Yusuf al-Islam? So all of the women, what did the women say? Kulna, hasha, that indeed we, may Allah forbid, ما علمنا عليه من سوء we know of no evil no treachery in him we know of nothing bad of him so they all the women also attested to the innocence of Sayyidina Yusuf Al-Islam that he was not even the slightest interested not even the slightest did he budge even when all of us were there even when she commanded him even when she threatened him with jail even in the slightest slightest form at all did he, he did not even budge so that's what they said Now what happened? Now the ruler's wife, which is a Kalimertul Aziz. So the wife of the Aziz, she said, Al-Ana has has al-Haq. Now indeed the truth has come to light. Right? Now the truth has come to light. It's out. And it was I, Ana Ravattahu, that it was me who tried to seduce him. An-Nafsihi against his own will. And him, what did she say about Sayyidina Yusuf? وَإِنَّهُ لَمِنَ الصَّادِقِينَ And indeed Sayyidina Yusuf a.s. He is from the Sadiqeen. He is honest and true and pious and righteous. Alright. Now what does this mean? So that same woman who had early accused him and accused him in front of her own husband, now she is now saying something else. Now she has repented from her previous accusation. Alright. So the question is, right, that after all of these years, why did she give up? First she tried to blame him. Now she's accepting the blame herself. So, Mufassirun have said that when, like I told you earlier, that when love is weak, when it's not true love, a person blames the other. But when, when love becomes strong and mature and true, then a person is willing to put the blame on themselves. So one possibility here is that the woman had been so impressed by Sayyidina Yusuf al-Islam's chastity, his purity, that he willingly went into jail. And he never said anything. He didn't say any bad thing about her either. He had complete sabr. And he was so loyal to her husband that she realized that rather than having the false love for him which was based on his beauty, instead she should have the real love for him which was based on his being a Nabi and being Zisifat and being from the Siddiqeen, Sadiqeen, Salihin. And when she now had that real love for him, that she should have had now she was willing to take the blame for herself because as we had said that when a person has real love they're willing to accept the blame and responsibility themselves but that process took time that process took time so it's also a lesson for us that those of us who are trying to make toba from a false love that we have we shouldn't think it's going to go away in a day it is going to take time And in this case, it took years. But if, if it, even if it takes years, we are going to ride out that process. And eventually, at the end, inshallah, if we are true in our tawbah, and true in our desire to be true to that tawbah, then Allah SWT will take out all of those unlawful, lustful passions. And Allah SWT can restore us to a true love. Okay. Back now to verse number 52. 
So Sayyidina said, so when he went back to Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam, what happens here is obviously he would have gone back, told Sayyidina, I told the ruler, and he asked the women, and they say you're innocent. He asked his wife, and she has confessed her guilt, and she has said you're innocent. So now Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam told him that, okay, now thalika layatnama anni lam akhunhu. That this, all of this was because I wanted the ruler to know. I wanted the master ruler to know that I did not betray him behind his back. I wanted him to know that I was loyal. I was faithful. I didn't at all lift an eye towards his wife. I didn't betray the trust that he had put in me by raising me in his own home. Alright? And indeed, then, that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never ever guide the mischief of the treacherous of those who do khiyana, of those who betray, and of those who are disloyal. Alright. But what does Sayyidina Yusuf say still, even after all the women have declared him to be innocent, even after she herself is a country, he is humble. He's saying, no, it's all Allah SWT. So what is it? That I do not absolve myself entirely in any way. And indeed, for the very nafs of every single man, is what intensely commands and incites that person to evil and sin and wrongdoing. Unless my Rabb shows his mercy. So he's saying that I am also nothing. Even this innocence that they're saying, it's not an innocence that was inherent in my nafs. It was an innocence that came upon me due to the mercy of my Rabb. Inna Rabbi ghafoorur rahim. Indeed, my Rabb is all forgiving, all merciful. Alright. So this is something that also we should say that Allah, we should make this dua as well and make the statement that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I am weak. My nafs is completely commanding and empowering and overwhelming me to do this sinful, lustful desire. The only way I would ever be saved is if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you include me in that exception. Illa mahrahima rabbi. Unless and until and except when my Rabb shows his mercy, Allah ta'ala, I need your mercy to come down upon me to save me from falling into this lustful sin of desire. So now 54, verse 54 then, so the king, okay, very quickly I will just say that the three types of nafs that are mentioned in Quran al-Kareem, number one is nafs amara, which is this one. That is that that person, when the nafs commands them to do sin, these are the symptoms, how to diagnose a person has nafs amara, that when they commit a sin, the feeling of sin becomes pleasurable. And they remember that sin with pleasure. Either they remember it with pleasure, or they tell others. Really bad is they go tell others about the pleasure. But if they remember the pleasure, they reminisce in the pleasure, they rejoice in the pleasure, they keep thinking about the pleasure, then that is a sign that they have nafsi amara. Sign that they have nafsi lawama, second type of nafs mentioned in Quran, nafsi lawama, literally means the nafs which is self-recriminating, feels blame. That is that when a person commits the sin, because they're overwhelmed by the passions of lust, but afterwards they feel ashamed, and they feel remorse, and they never remember the pleasure. After they felt the pleasure in the heat of the moment, but afterwards they don't feel the feeling of pleasure at all. They have no memory of pleasure at all. Every time and any time they think about that, they have the feelings of guilt. So it means if a person hasn't reached this state yet, it means they have nafsi amara. If when they reflect and they still reflect and think about it with pleasure, means they have nafsi amana, that's the lowest of stages. 
And then the ultimate stage is to have nafsi mutma'inna. And nafsi mutma'inna means that they have no pleasure in sinning. The idea of sin gives them no pleasure. The intention of sin gives them no pleasure. The very thought or possibility of sin repulses them. They find it repulsive. And they're completely mutmain, they only have itminan on following what is halal, and they have complete itminan in that, and they have not even the inkling of desire to transgress and do something that is haram. That is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Quran al-Kareem, right? Ya ayyuhan nafsu mutmainna, irji'i ila rabbiki radiyatan mardiyya. That, oh you person who has nafsu mutmainna, you are so beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cannot wait for you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is yearning for you. Sometimes we explain to you like this in Urdu, Allah ta'ala khud bebas hoge, irji'i, irji'i ila rabbik, ab jildi ao, come, come to your rabb, return to your rabb. That's how much Allah Ta'ala knows when we give up our unlawful passions and desires from makhluk, Allah Ta'ala becomes passion and desires for us. He says, irji'i ila rabbik. He starts yearning for us, desiring us, is passionate about us. And how does he describe radiya? That you made yourself pleased with what I was found pleasing to you. You made yourself like that, that you became completely radiya and pleased and mutmain and content with the halal. And you didn't even have any inkling and yearning for the haram. Then because of that mardiya, then know that you have become pleasing to me. And I am pleased with you. And now hence I want you to come back to me. So this is what we want. So we should diagnose ourselves that what do we have? Most of us have nafsi ammara. Few lucky of us may have nafsul lawama, so we must work on ourselves and we must attach ourselves to those paths and those methods and those scholars and those teachers who will train us in how to change our nafs from a nafs ammara or nafsul lawama and make our nafs into a nafs ammara. Or make our nafs into a nafs mutma'inna. So here, okay, so back to this, uh, verse 44. So the king said that bring him, bring him, bring Sayyidina Yusuf Islam to me. And I will have him serve him personally. In other words, I'm going to employ him purely for my own self. He's going to be my own right hand man. And then when the king spoke, once the king had spoken with Sayyidina Yusuf Islam, then what did he say? That innakal yawma ladayna makinun ameen. That from now on, from this day forth, you will have our trust, you will be well placed, makin, and you will be ameen, you will be fully trusted. You will be makin, well placed, we'll give you a place in our favor, and you will be ameen, completely trusted. So what happened? Now Sayyidina Yusuf proved to be true, and now the king of his time made him so true. And so what did Sayyidina Yusuf call? Sayyidina Yusuf said, that what you should do, put me in charge, appoint me to supervise, what? The khaza'in al-ard, the, all the treasures and the storehouses of the land. Right? Here khaza'in means the storehouses. In other words, that I want to be the one who manages that dream, right? That I will see to it that the seven years are harvested. I will see to it that as much as people need is given to them and the rest is stored up. Then when those seven years of hardship come, I want to be the one who distributes people to eliminate their famine and also saves enough so that we have enough kernels and seeds to sow for the next year's crop. That's what it means, khaza'in al-ard. It means the storehouses of the earth. Give me the ministry of agriculture, you can say. Right? Okay. Inni hafizun alim. Indeed, I am hafiz. I will be very watchful guardian. I will preserve it entirely. And I am alim. I am knowledgeable about this. And this is a very important point to note also when you have ministers. You need to have ministers who are number one hafiz and number two alim. 
And oh, your country to Allah Akbar Kabira. Ajeeb. I think like it's anti-Quranic method of, you know, like they say, they talk about the, Christians talk about the Antichrist. You have the anti-Quranic ministers, except maybe a few. Illa mashallah. Hafid means that they're honest. They're guardians. They don't let even one peso, one penny be put in the wrong account, in the wrong place. But alim means they also must be experts. What in, in, in political science we call technocrats. They must be skilled and proficient. So it's not enough to be a maulana. Some of the MMA ministers also, I guess some of them had taqwa, but they had no idea. <laughs> they were not alim. They didn't know at all about the actual affairs of that ministry. So you have to be both. You have to be hafizun alimun. You have to be mm, honest and upright and be able to watch over the whole ministry. And you have to have expertise and knowledge. And mashallah Sayyidina Yusuf salam, Allah Ta'ala had given that, right? Allah Ta'ala had given him. He said, we bestowed upon him the hukm and the ilm, hikmah and ilm. All right. And you can also see that Sayyidina Yusuf salam, never ever, ever mentions his own beauty as an attribute. He doesn't say, inni hafizun alimun hasinun, right? He doesn't view his beauty as an attribute worth mentioning. He doesn't view it as part of his merit. So it's also a lesson for men and women, but sometimes especially women, that those women who are beautiful. Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala gave you that beauty, but your merit doesn't lie in your beauty. Your actual beauty lies in the beauty of your heart, your inner beauty. Are you spiritually beautiful? Are you morally beautiful? Are you beautiful in terms of your character? Are you beautiful in terms of your attributes? Are you beautiful in terms of your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Are you a beautiful abida? Are you a beautiful shakira? Are you a beautiful sabira? Hmm? Are you a beautiful saliha? Are you a beautiful dhakira? That's the beauty. So even if such a woman should think that if Sayyidina Yusuf salam, who I think every woman would view that he was more beautiful than them, <laughs> Right? Even if he didn't have any naznakri on his beauty, he didn't view his beauty to be any merit. So that's how we should feel as well. We want to have sifat. We want to have sifat. So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, khair, so then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues in Quran al-Kareem. وَكَذَلَكَ مَكَّنَّا لِيُوسُفَ and thus did we settle Sayyidina Yusuf in that land. And then what did he do? He was able to give, or he was able to settle in it and live wherever he wished. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And we extend and we make our mercy reach and we grant our mercy. To whomsoever we will. Alright? So we should see that, look, this is the sabr. This is the fruit of the perseverance and patience of Sayyidina Yusuf then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues in Quran al Now we are on verse number 56, 57. Mm. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, We will not allow to waste at all the reward of those who do good. I 57. Well, uh, and the reward of the akhirah. The reward of the akhirah is the best form of reward. And that is best for what type of people? However, That the reward of the akhirah, The reward of the akhirah is best for what? For those people who have iman. And after they had iman, And they were consistently, constantly mindful and observant of taqwa. Right? Okay. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then is the one who saved him out of his mercy again, always throughout the story. Both Sayyidina Yusuf is mentioning everything will happen due to the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning that everything is going to happen due to his mercy. Alright. 
So we see what were the stages in the journey so far that he went from his father's company to the well. He went from the well to being a slave. He went from the slave to being into the palace. Then he went from the palace into jail. Then he went from the jail back into the palace, right? And then he went from the palace into now his own position that he can live and settle on this earth and his own position of decree. And now the next stage that is going to come is going to be the coming of his brothers. So in verses 58 onwards, now the story comes full circle as we say. All right? Uh, Okay, one, one point to make here that once some people raise this question that Sayyidina Yusuf asked for this. And normally, for example, it actually comes in a deep, Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa said that if a person asks you for authority, don't vest it in them. And that is used by some commentators actually why elections are not a good idea because the person is campaigning. To stand and campaign for office is actually viewed to be against this hadith. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet said that if a person asks for authority, i.e. stands and campaigns and runs for office, then don't vest it in them because Allah ta'ala will deprive them of barakah. So what about this particular case? And in this case, Sayyidina Yusuf is asking. So here are the differences that Sayyidina Yusuf was not asking for this position because he wanted to do anything himself. That's why he said he's Hafiz. He wasn't asking it for his own personal benefit, but he realized that these people don't have the knowledge. It's not enough for me to interpret the deen for them. They won't actually be able to skillfully manage the keeping the reserves of the grain for seven years, and then they won't be able to skillfully distribute it in measure throughout the next seven years. So it's not enough for me to just tell them the interpretation of the dream. I actually have to go all the way and do it for them so that I can save them. And it was also because he wanted to show his loyalty to the king. That okay, now I'm free, I could go back. He could have tried to go back home, right? You would think he's free. Now finally he could go back home. He doesn't go back home. He doesn't try to go find his father. He doesn't go try to find Binyamin. He says, now I'm free. Now I'm free. My job is to prove for sure my loyalty to the king. Then rather than go back to my father or try to find my long lost family and perhaps leave these people with just interpretation of the dream and inability to actually carry it out, I will prove my ultimate loyalty and faithfulness and actually stay here and manage this affair for them myself. Allahu Akbar. The loyalty of the Anbiya. It's amazing. The loyalty of the Anbiya. Any one of us, we would say, okay, thanks for letting me I'm gone. See ya. Right? Go straight, find my father. Right? Go back to my homeland. I was brought here as a slave. What, what do I care for the people of Misr? A Misri picked me up as a slave. Right? We would, that's what people think. We have Qawmi Nafrat. One person from one country does something bad for us. We would hate them. He could have said that. Why should I help you? It's your Misri who enslaved me and brought me to you in the first place. He doesn't think. Look at the loyalty. Amazing. Amazing loyalty and faithfulness. Allahu Akbar. It's just something that we lack. We lack it. We lack it almost as entirely as Sayyidina Yusuf had it. We lack the taqwa almost entirely as entirely as he had it. We lack haya almost entirely as entirely as he had it. We lack sabr in almost as entirely as entirely he had sabr. And we lack loyalty and faithfulness almost as entirely as Sayyidina Yusuf had loyalty and faithfulness entirely. So we have not learned lesson from Qur'an. We have to make ourselves Qur'anic in some. And that's why Sayyidina Yusuf some story is there, that we should become like him in each and every one of these attributes. All right. And what did Sayyidina Yusuf do? By the way, it's mentioned in Tafsir that how he managed this was that he told the people that they should engage in maximum harvesting for seven years. 
And they shouldn't even worry about the toll that may take on the land because in you for seven years the land won't be used anyway. So suck out as much if you can for those seven years. And second, he told them that you should consume the most minimal amount of food that you need in these seven years. Right? And then when the seven years of famine and drought and hardship came, then he apportioned a quota. Because he had seen now, he walked for seven years, he kept track, how much do these people consume? What is it that they need? And so he learned the quota that everybody needed. And then he mapped that exactly for the next seven years. And then the next seven years, he gave people that quota. All right? And some of the books of Tafsir mentioned that he himself, uh, normally they used to eat twice a day, he himself decided to only eat once a day for all of those next seven years when there was that famine. So Amali, even he himself was trying to keep himself to the bare minimum. All right. Now the story fast forwards. So the seven years of Mm, abundance that passes It's in those second seven years That the brothers are going to come to him Okay, So in verses 58 onwards The brothers come to him In those second set of seven years So for seven years Sayyidina Yusuf Islam Has again now Despite being free Lived apart from his beloved father Not even tried to communicate Or send a message to them And has loyally served the king As I mentioned to you Has planned this whole strategy Now in the second seven years He's doing it so successfully and he's given people generously because he did such a good job of managing it that he was actually able to give whoever came in famine for grain and crops, he was able to give them generously. So way all the way to the brothers, even news of Yusuf alayhi spread. Now they didn't know his name, but used that in the, the king of Misr has this minister who is you know, so generously giving all of these people who are afflicted by famine. So they traveled all the way to meet this person and to try to get some food from them. Get some food from this person. So now what happens? Now it comes. Now verse fifty-eight. So Yusuf's brothers came and they presented themselves before him. He recognized them. However, it means that they did not. It means that they did not recognize him. So many years had passed. So many years had passed. Right. Still, right. I'm sure the women are definitely thinking that if you're that pretty, right, nobody can ever forget you. Hmm? If you're that beautiful, even no matter how many years would pass, nobody will be able to forget you. Either way, right, Allahu Akbar, but Allah Subhanahu clearly did not enable them to recognize. Maybe partly because when they came now, they came in such a state of need, and a state of famine, and a state of worry, and they're so worried about getting their grain, that right? they came famine-stricken and famine-driven to come on this journey. Either way, but anyway, in the Quran it's clear that they did not, were not able to recognize Sayyidina Yusuf It also may be a sign that there is this certain type of beauty that comes in a person in their youth, but as they grow and they age and they're mature, that bedazzling type of beauty doesn't remain there. Right? Allahu Alam. Allahu Alam, but it's clear that they didn't recognize him. So then he gave them provisions, right? He recognized them while they didn't recognize him. And so he gave them provisions. He asked them, that how many are you? And they told him that we are ten here and we used to be twelve, but one of our brothers got lost and one of us, what was Binyamin, his actual full brother, we have left to take care of our father. So what he initially tells them is that he gives them each one camel's load. Right? Okay. He gives them each one camel's load. Another reason, sorry, another reason I'm supposed to mention that they didn't recognize him is because they thought that they'd left him in a well and by now he's long gone and dead. They could never have imagined. It was beyond the furthest reaches of their imagination that he would be alive and be in front of them. So sometimes another nukta that the Mashaik have taken out from this is that there are two types of human beings as well. 
One are those who recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who recognize their Rabb, and others who are not able to recognize Him. So this ability to recognize Allah subhanahu wa ilahi, this is the whole purpose of our lives. In fact, we will create it for precisely and only and solely this reason and purpose, so that we may learn to recognize and get the marifat of our Rabb and of our Malik. Alright. <coughs> so once he had given them their provisions, so back to verse number 59. Once he had given them their provisions, he said to them that bring me that brother that you left with your father. Right? Bring me that brother that you left with your father. In other words, that was Binyamin, his full brother. And there, all of the ten of them, all ten of them came to him. All of their ten half-brothers. And then he said to them, Have you not seen me giving generous measure? And have you not seen that I have been the best of hosts to you, that I extended to you the best of hospitality? But then he told them, But you will have no more grain or corn from me unless you bring that brother of yours, bring him to me. And if you don't bring him to me, you will not even be able to approach me. وَلَا تَقْرَبُونِ You will not even be allowed to come near me. So they said, right, so this is how he won them over. This is the strategy. First give them a lot, and host them well, and give them good hospitality, so that they would want to come back. And then tell them that you can, I will never accept you back until you bring that brother to me. So قَالُوا So they told him immediately, that okay, what we will have to do, so نُرَاوِدُ anhu abahu. That they didn't say abauna here. Here they said his father. There's also a nukta, right? That we're going to, we will do everything we can. We're going to have to persuade his father to send him with us, right? وَإِنَّ لَفَائِلُونَ And indeed we'll do it. Oh, we've persuaded his father to do other things in the past as well. Right? We've been able, we have a lot, we know, we have a history of persuasion here. Hmm? And surely we will be able to do it. We will pull it off. We will pursue him. We will come back and we will come back with him. Okay? So then Sayyidina Yusuf Right? He said to his boys, right? He said to his boys that go and put a lot of load on their camels. Load them up. Right? Load up their camels with all types of grain and through their saddlebags, etc. And why? <coughs> Uh, put their goods in their uh, put their goods in their saddlebags. Laallahum yaarafunaha idan kalabu ila ahlihim, so that perhaps they may recognize it when they go back to their family. And laallahum yerjoon, and perhaps they may return. It means they will become eager to return. Okay, so what did Sayyidina Yusuf son do? Number one, he gave them a command to bring send back with Binyamin. Number two, he gave them an incentive that you will get even more grain if you come back with him. Number three, he threatened them with the consequence of disobeying his command, then you will never get any more grain from here. And obviously it was famine. And he also knew that this famine was going to last for seven years. It wasn't just this year's harvest. Six more years of harvest is not going to be grain. So he also knows that they're going to definitely have to come back. They're going to definitely have to come back. And uh, he also uh, gave them a lot of goods in their saddlebags. Okay. So now what happened? Verse 6300. So when they returned to their father... When they returned to their father, they said, Ya Abana, that, O oh, our father, we have been denied, we have been given some, but we have been, sorry, we have been denied the required, the measure of grain that we would have been allotted. It was withheld from us. Therefore, send our brother with us. Farsil ma'ana akhana. Send our brother with us that we may receive our full measure. And then they said that same thing, wa inna lahu laha fidun. And indeed, of course, we are going to be People who are, well, caretakers and guardians over him. So, Kala, so Sayyidina Yaqub alayhi salam said to them, Hal, 
am I going to trust him to you? Just the way kama amintukum ala akhihi min qablu the way I earlier entrusted his brother to you, meaning Sayyidina Yusuf alayhisam. But then what does he say? Fallahu khayru hafidha. That know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best guardian. So he says, I will trust him, but I'm not going to be trusting him to you. I'm going to be trusting him in placing him in the hifaz of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best guardian. Wahua arhamur rahimin. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most merciful of the merciful ones. This is the first place now in Quran you have seen this statement. Arhamur rahimin. That we often always end our du'as in. This was actually the statement of Sayyidina Yaqub alayhi salam. Acknowledging and stating that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most merciful of the merciful ones. Alright. وَلَمَّا فَتَهُوا When they actually opened up their bags, they saw that they had been given their goods. In other words, what happened, uh, so they discovered that their goods had been returned to them, and then they went to their father, قَالُوا يَا أَبَانَا That, oh our father, what else should we want? What else is there that we would need? هَذِهِ بَذَاعُتُنَا That here is our goods, رُدَّتْ إِلَيْنَا And they have been returned to us. And now we can bring food for our family, right? We can bring... Uh, food for our household, and we can protect our brother, and we can add the measure of one camel more. Because if we take him, then there'll be 11, then we'll come back with 11 camels worth of goods. Thalika, and this will be easy for us. This is an easy, thalika kailun yusir, that that extra camel is easy money. It's an easy thing for us to get. Alright, so what did their father say? Qala, lan alsiluhu ma'akum, that I will never ever send him with you, not unless, hatta, unless you give me a pledge in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what is that pledge? That unless you are some, unless you are, unless you swear by the subhanahu that you will bring him back to me at all possible. That it means unless you are overpowered, unless it becomes impossible, you will definitely bring him back to me. Alright. So, فَلَمَّا that when each, when each and every one of them gave their father their pledge, then he said to them, Qal Sayyidina Yaqub their father said to them, that Allahu alama nukulu wakil, that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watchful over each and everything that we say. Alright. Now what do we see here that Sayyidina Yaqub is a father. And he's showing us some parenting skills over here. And he knows that his children are disobedient. But what does he do? And sometimes parents make these mistakes. Normally when children are disobedient and rebel their, to their parents, parents make the following mistakes. Number one, they stop talking to the children. Sayyidina Yaqub never did that. He never stopped talking to his children. Number two, number two is they tell their children to leave home. They kick their children out. And when things get really bad, right? Sayyidina Yaqub never did that. He never kicked his children out. No matter what mistake they did, he didn't stop talking to them and he didn't kick them out. And third, sometimes when things get really bad or when people get older, then they even stop keeping in touch with their children. They break relations with their children. They don't even keep a check on their children. Sayyidina Yaqub didn't do that. He didn't do any of that. So what did he do? He made nasiha. He was always counseling. Taking a pledge from them, yes, but always keeping it, talking to them, keeping them, keeping those sons with him. Didn't expel them, keep guiding them. And so this is something that is very important. We should learn as parents that we should never give up on our children and we should all never stop talking to them, never kick them out and we should always maintain our relationships and our ties with them. We should never become hopeless in our children. Never become hopeless in our children and we should always remember that فَاللَّهُ خَيْرُ حَافِظًا That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best guardian. 
So on the one hand, he told them, he took a pledge from them that you will make use of all the asbab, no matter what happens, you will bring him back. At the same time, he's also doing tarbiyat, that it's actually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is the best hafiz. Even though I'm making you, you are saying that, in, that we are the hafizun. That he's doing their tarbiyat, that no, it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is the best hafiz. Now what does he tell them? Now he's going to give them some practical steps, way to do the hifaza of Binyamin. So what did he say? This is verse number 67. He said, oh my sons, do not enter the city that you're going to, all of you from the same gate. Rather, you should each enter by different gates. This was the way that split up. Maybe there's strength and you're, you'll be more protected if you're split in numbers. But then he said to them, وَمَا أَغْنِي أَنْكُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ That I will not be able to save you min shay'in. I will not be able to help you in any way against the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. إِنَّ الْحُكْمُ إِلَّا لِلَّهِ And indeed sovereignty and the power and the decision lies only and only with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala عَلَيْهِ تَوَكَّلْتُ And in Him alone I place my trust وَأَلَيْهِ فَيَتَوَكَّلَ الْمُتَوَكِّلُونَ And indeed upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's trust should all those who place trust let everyone put their trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and all those who do trust they should put their trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Okay. Sayyidina Yaqub also, why did he tell his children to split up? He was worried that they may go back again. They were contingent. They were also handsome. They were also fairly handsome, handsome young men, strong men. They may attack too much attention. Maybe he was worried that they may also feel some hasad, right? He may be worried. He was worried about even these children in some way. All right. So this also shows that parents can be worried about their children, but it doesn't mean they should prevent their children from doing something that is right and proper. So he lets them go, but when parents are worried about their children, they should do tawakkal on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They should have absolute trust and reliance and faith and dependence on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will safeguard and will protect their children. What is tawakkal? Just so you know, tawakkal means to tawakkal. So here you're getting a very good lesson here that tawakkal, many times people think that tawakkal means to leave the asbab. Tawakkal, asbab ko chhorne ka naam nahi Tawakkal does not mean to leave asbab. Because he's also making, after saying all of the stuff about tawakkal, still he makes use of a sabab, a strategy, and tells the sons to enter the city by different doors. So tawakkal means that to make use of all of the means and processes all of the lawful and legitimate means and processes available to you. And after doing that, then to ultimately, penultimately have faith and trust and reliance that the ultimate outcome and decree will be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Alright, this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Quran, that whomsoever places their trust and reliance and dependence on tawakkal and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be sufficient for them. Alright, verse number 68 onwards. And when they entered the city, as their father told them, in the manner he had advised them, each and through a separate door, it did not help them against the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It was just a it merely satisfied a wish that was in the heart of Sayyidina Yaqub alayhi salam. And so it fulfilled that. وَإِنَّهُ لَذُوْ ilmin. However, Sayyidina saying that Sayyidina Yaqub alayhi salam was a man of knowledge. And he knew well what we had taught him, وَإِنَّهُ لَذُوْ إِلْمٍ لَمَا أَلَّمْنَاهُ That he was a man of knowledge who knew well what we had taught him, وَلَكِنْ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ However, the vast majority of humanity do not know. Alright. Now when they came to Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam, uh, when they came to Sayyidina Yusuf they presented themselves before Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. What did he drew? So he took away his brother, he drew his brother Binyamin apart. 
Literally, it means that he accommodated him or he took him as a guest, but it means that he took him away. It may also mean that he lodged all of the brothers together and he said that Binyamin will be lodged separately so that then he could go meet Binyamin. Either way, he separated him from the rest of his brothers. And what did he say to them? He said, Qala. He said to him that, Inni ana akhuka. That look, indeed, I am your brother. So it suggests that Binyamin also did not recognize Sayyidina Yusuf when he first saw him. So he said, told that, look, I'm your brother. فَلَا تَبْتَئِسْ بِمَا كَانُوا يَأْمَنُونَ So don't feel any sorrow, don't be saddened by all of the past actions of those other ten brothers. It suggests that they probably up to this point have kind of been sidelining Binyamin as well, because he was their half-brother, right? And he's also saying that don't be sad because Binyamin has grown up his whole life thinking that my brother Yusuf was eaten by wolves, right? And all of a sudden he's meeting so he knows that he must, Binyamin must have realized there was some deception, some lying, something that happened. So his initial reaction was to be, would have been to have been upset with his brothers, right? So Sayyidina Yusuf was telling him that don't, don't, immediately told him, I'm your brother, and immediately told him, don't feel. Don't have any bad feelings, don't grieve, don't over, don't have any sorrow over what those ten brothers did. Alright? Now, at this point, Sayyidina Yusuf has only revealed the truth to one particular brother of his, and that is Binyamin. Now Sayyidina Yusuf is going to make a plan. And what is the plan that, that he does, right? He then tells his boys to put the grains and the harvest and the corn and the crop in their saddlebags on their camels. And then he adds to that, and he tells them also to put his measuring bowl in with them. So this is verse 70. And once the new had given them their provisions, he had the bowl that he used, he had it placed in the pack of his brother. Right? And this brother, by this brother, it means Binyamin. All right. So it was placed in the pack of his brother. Then they were leaving. They were leaving their 11 camels. They were on their way out. They thought that they had successfully come and they got the hospitality again and they got all the goods again and they even got a 12th camel, 11th camel worth. Then Then all of a sudden, according to Yusuf al-Islam's instruction, an announcer called out, a caller called out, that the king's cup, the king's bowl, the king's drinking cup is missing. Right? The king's drinking cup is missing. Alright. Then what happened is that, uh, sorry, he, uh, he placed the drinking cup in the, in the brother's pack. And then a man called out, he had a caller call out, That all people of the caravan, you were thieves. Right? So they, so they turned back and they said that, you know, in what sense are you saying that we are thieves? What is it? Is there anything that's missing? So then the, the caller and some group of people replied with him. They said, the king's drinking cup is missing. And then after that they said, and whoever and whoever brings with his himlu ba'irin, that they will get another camel load of goods. And he said that I give you my word. So they said, they responded, they responded to Sayyidina Yusuf that, that indeed we swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Lakan alimtum, all of you know very well, ma jitna linufsida fil ard, that we did not come here to create facade and mischief and sedition and corruption in this place. Wama kunna sadikin, we are not and nor have we ever been thieves. Kalu, so then it was said to them that okay, fama jazauhu in kuntum kadabin, that what do you think, what should be the punishment of you, right, if it turns out that you are liars? So now what happens is the guards then go and search their saddlebags, their luggage. 
and they found the bowl in the saddlebag of that 11th camel that belonged to Binyamin. Now, according to that, then they're going to have to get to some saza. So now we're here on verse number 75. So they responded, Kalus, what did they say? Jazauhu man fi rahlihi, that the punishment for whomsoever in whose saddle bag that drinking cup or that bowl is found, what should the punishment be? For who would, uh, that his punishment should be that he is enslaved. His punishment, the punishment of that person should be that they're enslaved. It doesn't say it here, right? But actually that is what they're mentioning, that the punishment of the time, this was the punishment. Uh, how can I put this to you? The punishment in the time of that society was enslavement. So they're saying, they said that whomsoever saddlebag of our 11, if it's found, the punishment should be his punishment. Means the punishment should be that that one should be enslaved. Alright? Okay. So, and that's it. And they said, and that is how we punish the wrongdoers. So, okay, so now in verse 76, what happened? فَبَدَأَ سَنَسَيْنِ Yusuf some started searching their bags. And he searched first their bags, and each of every one of them claimed clear. And then, after that, thumma, and then after that, then he searched the bag of his brother, and he recovered that, pulled it out from the brother's bag. And now Allah Ta'ala says, كَذَلِكَ kidna li Yusuf. Thus did we make a plan and a scheme and a strategy for Yusuf alayhi salam. مَا كَانَ لَيَأْخُذَ أَخَاهُ فِي دِينِ الْمَلَكِ إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهِ And he had no ability to take his brother, according to detain his brother, right? According to the law of the king. So what happened here? Actually, Sayyidina Yusuf Islam wanted to keep Binyamin back with him. And he had no way of doing so. So this was a strategy that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Sayyidina Yusuf to employ, so that he could justifiably keep, and you're going to see why, he could justifiably keep according to the laws of the king of Misr, because again he is loyal and faithful to that king, and he doesn't want to do anything that requires going against his laws. He wanted to keep his brother there with him. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and Allah ta'ala continues, نَرْفَعُوا دَرَجَاتِ مَنْ نَشَاءُ And indeed we raise the ranks and darajat of each and every person who we want. وَفَوْكَ كُلِّ ذِي إِلْمٍ عَلِيمٍ Very important, we'll come back to this. That over every man of knowledge, there is somebody who has more knowledgeable, more knowledge. So the darajat here that are being referred to is ilm. So Allah Ta'ala raised the darajat of Sayyidina Yusuf by giving him this knowledge. But Allah Ta'ala is making a statement that every person who has ilm, there is always somebody who has more ilm than him. Nobody should fear that they have the greatest amount of ilm. And inshallah we'll come back to this theme on Thursday when we do Surah Kah for you. This is quite, it plays a large role in what happens to Sayyidina Musa Islam when he meets Khizr. Alright, verse 7, uh, And above all of them, right? And above each and every person. Okay. That's what we plan for. Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. Okay, now what happens that his brothers, what did his brothers say? So when the, verse 77. So when the bowl was found in the saddlebag of Binyamin, what did Binyamin say? So all of his brothers say that, in yasrik fakad saraka akhun lahu min kablu. What do they say? That if he turns out to a thief, well, there's nothing surprising in that because his brother was a thief before him. Allah Akbar. Look what they're saying. That if this one turned out to be a thief, Binyamin, there's nothing surprising in that because his brother, saying Yusuf, was a thief before him. Now, فَأَسَرَّهَا Yusuf فِي نَفْسِهِ So, saying Yusuf, he kept his secrets, he kept his reaction to himself. وَلَمْ يُبْدِهَا لَهُمْ And he didn't reveal anything to them. 
He didn't reveal anything to them. But what did he say? قَالْ أَنْتُمْ شَرَّ مَكَانًا He said to he said in his heart that you were in. He said to himself, which is what somebody didn't reveal, that you were in a far worse situation. وَاللَّهُ أَعْلَمُ بِمَا تَصِفُونَ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best the truth of what you allege, of what you claim. So like they had visited, so one of them is it, but they had already committed to this, that whoever and whoever the, it is found will stay back, will be kept behind as a punishment. So they had to leave Binyamin behind. Alright. So what did so they knew? They were worried that what's going to happen when we go back to our father. So they said, Kalu, so the brother sent him, Ya Ayuhal Aziz. So they went to the Aziz. Right? Inna Luhu Aba'an Shaykhan. That he has a very old, he has a father, and a father who is a very old man. He has a father who has a very old man. So instead of keeping him, فَخُزْ أَحَدَنَا مَكَانَهُ Take any one of us in his place. إِنَّ نَرَاكَ مِنَ الْمُسْنِينَ And indeed we see you to be a very generous man. Right? So they tried to bypass Sayyidina Yusuf al-Islam and they took it directly to the king. قَالَ What did the king say? مَآذَ Allah. Indeed we seek refuge from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from what? That we will, we will seek refuge from Allah, we keep from any, we, we will restrain and hold back and imprison and keep behind anyone other than that person upon whom was found our stuff, and that was the one who was caught guilty on the person other, we will not hold anyone back other than the person upon whom we found our property. Why? Because inna idhan lazalimun, if we were to do that, then we would be very unjust to hold any one of you back. Now what happened is now they lost hope. They lost hope. They were frustrated. They were lost hope. They realized that we have no hope in convincing him. So what they did is they, they retreated and they withdrew to confer with one another. Now what happened? The eldest of the brothers. Because he knew that I'm as the eldest. I'm the one who is going to face responsibility. So they, he said to them that, Okay, don't you remember? That don't we all realize and don't we know? Alam ta'lamu that don't you all know that indeed our father he took a pledge from us and he took a pledge from us in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And now we've already women kablu ma faraktum fi Yusuf and before we defaulted in front of our father, we failed our father, we failed our father in our duty already in the past with regard to Yusuf alayhi salam. So now what are we going to do? What are we going to do? So he said, right, so the older one said that I will not leave this land until my father gives me leave or Allah Ta'ala decides from me. He says, oh, yahkumullah, they believed in Allah Subhanahu They were the sons of a Nabi after all. Oh, yahkumullah until Allah Ta'ala decides from me. وَهُوَ خَيْرُ الْحَاكِمِينَ And indeed, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is the best of deciders. So the eldest one then addresses the other one and says, irji'u. So the rest of you, so the rest nine of you, go back ila abikum to your father. فَقُولُوا يَا أَبَاءَنَا إِنَّ بْنَكَ سَرَكَ And go tell them that, O oh, our father, your son has stolen. And وَمَا شَهِدْنَا إِلَّا بِمَا عَلِمْنَا And we can only testify about those things that we know. We can only tell you what we saw. And this is what we saw, that the, the cup was taken out from his saddlebag. وَمَا كُنَّا لِلْغَيْبِ And also it also means, وَمَا شَهِدْنَا إِلَّا بِمَا عَلِمْنَا And we could only also take that oath about things that we knew and this was an unforeseen event. And we couldn't have predicted this and we had no way of knowing that he was going to steal. Because at this point, to be fair to these brothers, they genuinely think he stole because it was found. So they're not falsely accusing him, they actually think that he turned out to be a thief. And so they're trying, they're thinking how they're going to 
present their innocence to their father. So how could we guard against the وَمَا How could we guard against the unforeseen, against circumstances that we couldn't have predicted? And then tell the tell the father that ask the town in which we have been, and ask the people of the caravan that we traveled with, and undoubtedly you will see that we are telling the truth that this is what happened. We were about to go, and a caller called out, and it turned out that the cup and the bowl was with Binyamin. So they go back and they say all of this to Sayyidina Yaqub Islam. So what does Sayyidina Yaqub says, Bal, sawalatukum. Though indeed your souls are prompted to do something wrong. Or like I told you, this is something that you have contrived, your, this is a story that you have come up with on your own selves. The same thing for Sabrun Jamil. But it is best to be patient. Same thing. Same thing he's repeating. The same thing he had when he lost his first son. Same thing he's saying now when they've come back without the second one. And indeed maybe hopefully Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring all of them back to me. What is his hope? Inna hu huwa al-alimul hakim. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all-knowing. Allah ta'ala is all-wise. Wa tawalla anhum. And then Sayyidina Yaqub he turned away from them. And now he expresses his grief. He starts remembering Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. Wa qala ya asafa ala Yusuf. This is also from the famous lines in Quran. That, oh, woe to me, alas, how sad I am concerning or about Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. And then what happened to him? Wa biyadhat aynahu. Min al that his eyes went white with grief. It means he lost his eyesight. That's how much grief he had, that's how much tears he said. For Adim he was filled with sorrow. Filled with sorrow. Now when they when the children, when the other brothers saw this, when his son Kalu, Billahi, that they said when they said to this, Oh my or our father, by Allah look at you, you will not stop thinking of Yusuf alayhi salam. Hatta takuna haradan takuna min al until either you collapse or you become a person who perishes. You, you will, you don't, you can't, what's wrong with you that you can't stop thinking of Yusuf alayhi salam? So what did he respond? He called, he said, Yaqub alayhi salam said, Inna mashku bathi wa huzni illallah. That I only present, it's not really complain, but it means I only present and I plead. I can only plead my case of grief and anguish and sorrow. Who can I, who other than can I, Plead my grief and sorrow and anguish too, other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, I'm not complaining to you at all. I wasn't talking to you. I was crying out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he says to them, look, again, he doesn't get upset at them. He doesn't get upset at them. What does he say to them? Then he says, Ya Baniya, that, O oh, my sons, idhabu, that you should go. Go forth and seek news. And what it means, Yusuf wa akhihi, of Yusuf alayhi brother. Now where did Yusuf alayhi come into this, right? Sayyidina Yaqub alayhi was sahibi basirat. He had firasat. He realized that something's going on. And I've been deprived from the second one. Maybe that first one I was deprived from, there's something related to him as well. So he told them to go seek news of Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi and his brother means bin Yamin. وَلَا تَيْأَسُوا مِنْ رُوحِ اللَّهِ وَلَا تَيْأَسُوا مِنْ رُوحِ اللَّهِ That you should not despair of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, indeed, إِنَّهُ لَا يَيْأَسُوا مِنْ رُوحِ اللَّهِ إِلَّا الْقَوْمُ الْكَافِرُونَ That indeed nobody ever despairs of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except the disbelievers. So the brothers responded that... Uh, okay. Let's comment on this up to verse number 87 very quickly. When Sayyidina Yaqub says that he has sabrun jamil, right? 
But at the same time, then he pleads his anguish and huzn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the lesson here is that sabr and presenting your sorrows to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, these two things aren't contradictory. Ha, presenting your sorrow and grief to creation, complaining to creation, presenting your difficulties to creation, that is against sabr. But if having sabr jameel can simultaneously be that you present your sorrows to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is what Sayyidina Yaqub was doing. He was on sabr, but he presented his matter to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is ayni sabr, that is exactly part and parcel of sabr. That is something that is required of sabr. Second thing, that it, different commentators mention different amounts of years. Some suggest that 40 years had passed even up till now. means that either way, but Sayyidina Yaqub had been crying and grieving and had felt sorrow for decades over Sayyidina Yusuf So some ask this question that, look, but he was a prophet of Allah. Surely he should have gotten over it, right? So Imam Rabbani, Mujad al-Fasani, Shaykh Ahmed Sirhindi, Rimullah responded in this way. In his maktubat, that if it was the loss of a regular child, an ordinary child, then the father would not have cried for so long. But it was a child who was a child of his who was a nabi. It was a nabi who he lost. So the loss of a nabi child was something that still kept him with sorrow and grief for decades. Another reason they give is that wherever there is love, there is grief. And because he had undying, unfading love for Sayyidina Yusuf Islam, therefore he had unfading sorrow and grief at the separation and loss of Sayyidina Yusuf Islam. This is all I'm talking about, Sayyidina Yaqub Islam. Alright. Some of the Mashaikh have actually said that if ever a parent is betrayed by their child, or their child leaves them, or runs away from them, or runs away with someone, right? illicit relationship with someone, right? So that they should recite the same dua that Sayyidina Yaqub made to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. إِنَّمَا أَشْكُوا بَثِّي وَحُزْنِي إِلَى اللَّهِ That indeed I only and only present and plead my sorrow and my grief and my anguish to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Similarly, right? If uh, a spouse runs away, if a husband's wife runs away, if a wife's husband's run away, or they're separated, Right? Again, they should recite the same dua to same, this recite the same ayah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright. Let's go back to Quran. So verse number 18. So then when they, when the brothers came and they presented themselves before Sayyidina they said that, O oh, mighty governor, right? Ayyuhal Aziz. Now they're calling Sayyidina Yusuf Aziz. So they're trying also to make up, they may think that maybe he had this sting in them that before they tried to, so they go to him that, O oh, Aziz, O oh, Yusuf that we and our family are afflicted with complete distress. And so what we have done is we have brought some small goods of a little bit of worth. We have brought some little merchandise, but we ask that you give us full measure. We ask that nonetheless you give us the full measure of grain, what the saddak alayna, and we ask that you be charitable to us. Inna Allah yadzil mutasaddikeen. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa will send His favorable reward on the people who are charitable. So now then he said, what did he say? All. So he said, Hal alimtum that now do you know? Now do you realize what it is that you did? Ma fa'altum bi Yusufa. What you did to Sayyidina Yusuf Islam, wa akhihi, and what you did to his brother, in antum jahidun, when indeed you were ignorant. So they were stunned at this moment, and now at this moment the brothers realize who they are standing in front of. The way he said it, must have been the way he said his name, 
the way he said it to them. So now they so they call you, Inna anta Yusuf. That is it. That you, you could it be that indeed you are Yusuf Alaihissalam? So what he said, Kala ana Yusuf. He said, Yes, I am Yusuf. Wahada akhi, and this, this is my full brother. This is Benjamin. This is my brother. Kan manallahu alina, and indeed Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has been graciously kind to us. And what does he say? Innuhu mayyatki. That that person who has taqwa wa yasbir, and that person who has sabr, fa inna Allah la yudhiu ajal musinin. Then for such a person, Allah subhanahu wa taala does not let go to waste the rewards of those who do good. So it shows here taqwa and sabr, taqwa and sabr. He himself, Sayyidu Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, is now explaining to his brothers what was it that enabled him to survive this whole ordeal and bring him to this position now, and this is what. Allah Ta'ala had revealed to him that surely one day will come when you will be telling them all about all that which they used to do and they don't realize it. How did that day come that came on the basis of taqwa and sabr? Taqwa and sabr. And that is this month of Ramadan. لَأَلَّكُمْ تَتَّكُونَ So that we increase in our taqwa. And staying away during the fast from food and drink that is sabr. So this whole month has a nisbat with the story of Sayyidina Yusuf Islam because this whole month of Ramadan has been designed to give us these very two things, taqwa and sabr. And if we can get those things in this month of Ramadan, then indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not lay to waste at all the ajr of the people of Islam, the ajr of the people who do good. So he was also enjoining upon them to also have taqwa and to also have sabr. So what did they do? Kalu. So this verse number one, they responded, that indeed we swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we indeed we swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you preference over us. We accept it now. You are worthy to be favored over us. You are actually better than us. Allah ta'ala has favored you better than us. وَإِن كُنَّا لَخَاتِئِينَ And indeed, in fact, we were wrong, we were slipped, we made a mistake, we were in error, we were guilty. So immediately saying Yusuf respond, respond to them. What did he say? Allahu Akbar. Kala la tathriba alaykum al-yawm. Right? And this is the hope that we hear this sentence from Allah SWT on the Day of Judgment. What did He say to them? He said, on this day there is no reproach. I'm not here to blame you. I'm not here to gloat over you. I'm not here to exult in triumphant gloating over you. SNA. Not like that. Look at He's winning them over with love. Saying, no reproach, no reprimand, no blame. You will hear no reproaches on this day. And then he makes dua for them immediately. Right? What is the dua he makes for them? يَغْفِرُ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ That may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive you. وَهُوَ أَرْحَمُ الرَّاحِمِينَ Says the same thing that his father had said earlier. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most merciful of the merciful ones. So this is a very important lesson that we should not... What is the lesson here? That we should not bear any grudges. Should not bear a grudge. And if somebody who wronged you, if it turns out that they realize and they come face to face with the act that they wronged you, you shouldn't gloat over them. You shouldn't exult over them. So this is a shan of a mu'min, shan of a believer to forgive. This is what Sayyidina Yusuf is teaching us. This is what Allah SWT wants us to learn in Qur'an al-Kareem, to become a Qur'anic insan, not to hold grudges, to be forgiving over other people. And to make not only that, but to make dua and hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive them. And to feel that when Allah ta'ala is arhamar rahimeen, that His mercy should come on that person who harmed you. That's what Sayyidina is doing. He's invoking the mercy of that arhamar rahimeen, that most merciful of the merciful ones, hoping that the mercy comes on the people who wronged him. 
Kamil akhlaq. Kamil sifat. These are the anbiya and mursaleen. And this is exactly the same thing, by the way, that Sayyidina Rasulullah said at Fatih Makkah to the mushrikeen in Makkah, he said to them, لا تثريب عليكم اليوم. And he was standing in front of the Kaaba, and they all started coming one by one and making forgiveness and repenting and accepting iman. And he said, there's no revenge, no reproach, no blame will come on you on this day. Then what did he say? So verse number 93, then he says, اِذْهَبُوا بِكَمِيسِ هَذَا That go and take this shirt of mine and place it فَالْقُوهُ عَلَى وَجْهِ abi. That go and place it on the face of my father. Yati basira, He will return, his vision will return, he will recover his sight. And then after you do that, then you should return بِأَهْلَكُمْ ajmain. Then you should come back with your entire family, you should come back to me all together. And indeed this is what happens. Right, that when they go back, right, when the shirt of Sayyidina Yusuf is brought to Sayyidina Kubasam, his sight returns. His sight returns. So you see again a principle here that the same thing that can be the source of grief for a person, if a person has sabr, then Allah Ta'ala will make the very same thing a source of their happiness. So the first time the shirt came to Yaqub al-Islam, it was sad because they had put the fake stain, bidamin kathib, they had put the fake blood stain on it. So that same shirt of you, not the same shirt, but the same thing, the shirt of Yusuf al-Islam was a source of sadness, but Sayyidina Yusuf al-Islam had sabr on it. Then Allah Ta'ala can make the very same thing again, a shirt of Yusuf al-Islam comes and becomes a source of joy for them. As long as they turn towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they remain steadfast on obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they remain steadfast on taqwa. Another thing we learned here that there's barakat and we did this for you earlier when we did the ayah that came earlier in Quran about the barakat that Sayyidina Musa Harun left so there's barakat in the clothing and the objects of the Anbiya. This is, Quran is establishing these are tabarruk. There's barakah in the clothing that they used and the staff that they used etc. etc. Right? And there's two barakas in that. One is there's barakah in the actual item of clothing. So the Prophet's actual imama, his actual jubba, right? And second, however, is there is a barakah in any clothing that resembles the sunnah. There's barakah in any staff that resembles his staff. There's barakah in anything that is from the same mm, model and style and method. So it means that the sunnah is full of barakah. The sunnah of the anbiya and mursaleen is full of barakah. And many people don't realize that. That the people who try to follow these outward sunnahs, there's something, this is zahir. What is the shirt of Yusuf a.s.? It's a shirt. It's a zahir. Saint Yusuf could have said, send my words to him. Take my dua to him. He could have given them a sentence and said, oh my brother, take this sentence back. No. So there's some ta'thir in the zahir. There's a ta'thir in especially that zahir, which is the zahiri sunnah of the anbiya wal mursuni. And obviously that's going to be infinitely, ultimately most true for the zahiri sunnah of imam al-anbiya wal mursaleen, sayyid al-awwaleen wal-akhireen, sayyidina rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So we shouldn't take this outward trappings of sunnah lightly. There is a tremendous barakah in it. There is a tremendous power and a barakah in it. Okay, so verse 94 onward. Uh, so later when the people in the caravan departed, so what did their father say? When the caravan set out for him, so their father Yaqub alayhi salam, way back from where he was, way from what he was, what does he say? So he's addressing from far away, that indeed I can sense the fragrance of Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. And the people who were around him then, when the car- just the 
just the shirt makes its way. The shirt takes one step on the way and he could feel it. So the people who were sitting with him told him that, oh, you are senile and you're lost in that old illusion of yours, right? They said, قَالُوا تَاللَّهِ إِنَّكَ لَفِي ذَلَالِكَ الْقَدِيمِ You were still lost in your old illusions and your old fallacies. But certainly then, right? So this is an amazing thing that the brothers had just set out and Right? This defies physics. This is the Quran that shows you don't be all empirical and scientific and overly rational. This incident that the fragrance reaches, say now Yaqub this is not something to do with the laws of physics. This is spirituality. And remember, ruhaniyat and spirituality is a ghalib. That same Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who created the laws of physics in this world, that same Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created the laws of marafat and ruhaniyat in this world. And that, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made those ghalib on these physical laws. So then when a person came with the good news and when the bear of the black bear Anja uh, al-Bushra al-Bashir that the person with the, the bear of the glad tidings and bringer of good news came. And what did he do? Al-Qahu ala wajhihi That he placed the shirt on the face of Sayyidina Yaqub alayhi salam that indeed the eyesight of Sayyidina Yaqub alayhi salam returned. And then he said Qala alam akullukum inni a'lamu min Allahi ma la ta'lamun That didn't I used to tell you that I have knowledge from Allah subhanahu that you don't have and that the knowledge from Allah subhanahu throughout I knew that my son Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam was alive. And you could never have fooled me by telling me that a wolf had eaten him. So then what did the brother say? Kalu, now it comes for full circle. What did they say? Ya Aba Ana. So first they're saying, Our Father. What did they say? Istaghfir Lana. That, Oh, our Father, forgive us. Dhunubana for our sins. Now what does this mean? They're not praying to Ghirullah. This is Hukukul Ibad. They sinned against the Father. They wronged the Father, lied to the Father, betrayed the Father, tricked the Father, right? Deprived the Father of the company of His beloved Saint Yusuf for so many decades. So you have to, the ones that we hurt, we have to ask them for forgiveness as well. And they acknowledge, inna kunna khati'in, indeed surely we were amongst the wrongdoers. So what did His Father say? Kala, what will I do? So fastaghfiru lakum rabbi, that not it doesn't mean that I don't forgive you. It means I forgive you. But even more than that, I'm going to ask my Rabb to forgive you. For indeed, He he is all forgiving and all merciful. He is all forgiving and all merciful. Alright. Then what happens? So, so uh, Here some have taken this word that he says, uh, Sayyidina Yaqub salam. the word that he uses in Arabic is sofa. Sofa means very shortly, shortly, soon I will. So they're given different aqwal on this. Some have said that he was going to wait for the time of the hajjud as an example. There's several things mentioned here. One call I will just give you because we're running a bit short on time is that he said he wanted to wait till the time of the hajjud and plead the forgiveness of his sons in the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at that time when Allah ta'ala most accepts people's prayers of forgiveness. Verse 99. Now then, as per the instructions... Right, of Sayyidina Sallallahu take the shirt back and then all of you come back, Ajmain. So now then all of them come back and so verse 99 is mentioning that, فَلَمَّا دَخَلُوا عَلَى يُوسُفَ That when they came and they presented themselves before Sayyidina Yusuf Sallallahu so then what he do? He drew his parents to him. Now interestingly in all of this there's never been mention of the mother until this point. Now Allahu Alam, what grief the mother and sorrow the mother must have had, how much the mother was yearning for him, right? How much the mother must have been missing him. So now the father and mother, they both come abawayhi. 
and he drew them near to them. وَقَالَدْ خُلُوا مِسْرَ إِن شَاءَ اللَّهُ آمِنِينَ So he said to them that welcome, it means welcome, literally means enter, enter Misr, i.e. welcome, welcome, enter Misr, and you will all enter here, you will all be safe insha'Allah, willing, if Allah Ta'ala wills, you will all be safe and secure here. وَرَفَعَ أَبَوَيْهِ عَلَى الْأَرْشِ And then he raised his two parents up on his throne. He was been given a throne by the king of Misr where he used to sit. right? And he raised up his parents on that. right? وَخَرُّ لَهُ سُجَّدًا And now they all fell to him in prostration. So now this is the manifestation of that dream. The sun is the father, the moon is the mother, and the eleven stars are the eleven siblings. Now there are two types of sadhs. I'll just tell you very briefly. There are two types of sajda. One is known as the sajda of ibadah. And one is the sajda of ta'zim. In earlier sharias, sajda of ta'zim was allowed to ghairullah. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded the angels to do sajda to Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam. That's why here they're doing sajda to Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. But then later on, even that sajda became prohibited and was made exclusive for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and deen of Islam and shaykh Muhammad sallallahu No type of sajda can be offered to ghairullah. No type of sajda can be offered any, about anyone to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in fact, even the Prophet actually said in a hadith, I just mentioned that as we go, that he said that if sajda had been permissible to ghairullah, I would have commanded the wife to make sajda to her husband. But sajda is not permissible to any ghairullah. All right, we have to bring it very fast now. So that's one hundred. The other citizen, and he said that my father. This is the fulfillment of my of my dream earlier that I had long ago. Indeed, my rub has made it come true and has been gracious to me. My rub released me from prison. My rub has brought all of you together to me from the from the far lands in which you lived and brought me from the desert after Shaitan. And who does he blame it on? So he blames it on. That shaitan put this enmity and so discord between me and my brothers. Indeed, inna rabbi latifun, latifun nima yasha'u. And indeed, my rabb, whatever he wills and wishes to happen, he is most subtle in achieving his will. Inna huwul alimul hakim. Indeed, my rabb is all knowing and all wise. And then he makes dua to Allah SWT, Rabbi, O oh my Rabb, that indeed you have given me the power, Mil Mulk, you have given me mm, power to rule and authority. And, وَأَلَّمْتَنِي مِن تَعْوِيلِ الْأَحَدِيثِ And you have taught me the interpretation of dreams. فَاتِرُ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Indeed, Allah SWT, you are the creator of all of the heavens and the realms that lie above and the skies and the firmaments above and you are the creator of this earth. أَنْتَ وَلِيَّيِّ Allah SWT, you are my wali. Oh Allah subhanahu you are my wali in this world and in the akhirah. And what do I want? Tabafani muslima. Allah ta'ala, I want now that you just do one more thing for me and that you make sure that I die and I'm raised up to you such that I am Muslim, such that I'm completely submitting to you. And Allah ta'ala, I want that you join me with the righteous ones. So this is the ultimate humility of Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam, that even after all of this, he doesn't think that he himself is amongst the Salihin, even though he's even amongst the Nabiin, and he asks Allah subhanahu to join me amongst the Salihin. So this dua that he has made, this is again verse number 101. So this is the one dua that you have for you here, dua of Sayyidina Yusuf in Quran al-Kareem, and the rest inshallah, and those of you who come late, make sure you sign up, because we're going to email you inshallah, a list of other duas uh, that have been mentioned, and duas that are highlighted in light of the surah. Now at the very end from verses one, uh, 
This shows us, by the way, that no matter how many blessings Allah Ta'ala gives a person in this world, their heart should always long for the ultimate blessing, which is to die in a state of iman, and to be raised up to Allah SWT as a Muslim. And this is even the dua that Nabi Kareem Sallallahu used to make, and that he used to teach us. Alright? Finally now, from verses 102 to the very end, Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala now, from 102 to 111, these 10 ayat I had mentioned to the conclusion. So the story has ended, and now Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala tells to the Nabi Akrim Sassan that this account is part of the report. ذَلَكَ min amba'il ghaybi That, oh my beloved Mr. Sassan, that this is just part of the many, many reports and news and knowledges of the unseen. نُوحِيهِ ilayk That we have revealed to you, oh my beloved Messenger Sallallahu And indeed, وَمَا كُنْتَ لَدَيْهِمْ You were not present with uh, the brothers of Sayyidina Yusuf Islam when they made all of their plans and their devices. So it's establishing this Surah as a proof of the Nabuat of Nabi Karim Sallallahu that how could he have known all of these details. However, vast majority of Allah Ta'ala is still telling the Prophet Sallallahu that even though you will be able to answer this question of the Bani Israel and you can tell them the story of Yusuf Alayhisam, even then the vast majority of them, Akhtar al-Nasi, even then they're not going to be mu'mineen, they're not going to be believers, walau harasta, even despite your strong desire for it. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the Prophet that no matter how strongly and deeply you want it, still unfortunately the vast majority of people are not going to be believers. And therefore, and you should not demand, <coughs> you should ask no reward from them for this, but indeed this is a reminder, in huwa illa dhikrun lil alameen, indeed this Qur'an al-Kareem is just a dhikr, a reminder, a nasiyah and counsel for alameen. And this is how I explained to you before, that given that this dhikr was given to the Prophet ﷺ, then he is Nabiul alameen, just like Allah Ta'ala's Rabbil alameen, and he's described the Prophet ﷺ to be rahmatul lil alameen, this Qur'an is dhikrun lil alameen, and the Prophet ﷺ was Nabiul lil alameen. So how, what a tragedy it would be that of all that alameen, me and you, who are actually the muslimin in that alameen, choose not to be guided from Qur'an. Don't make ourselves according to the teachings and feelings of Qur'an. Alright. How many, indeed, how many of the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are there in the heavens and the firmaments and earth that they pass by and they give no heed to? So this will be just yet another sign of your nabuat, but they're not going to give any heed to it. And indeed, in fact, most of them, وَمَا يُؤْمِنُوا أَكْثَرُهُمْ بِاللَّهِ إِلَّا هُمْ مُشْرِكُونَ And most of them will not believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without associating partners with Him, ascribing partners to Him and His divinity. Are they so sure? Are they so sure? Do they feel so secure from the, from the sending of Allah Ta'ala's overwhelming punishment that Allah Ta'ala can make fall upon them? Or are they so sure? Do they feel so sure that أَوْتَعْتِيَهُمُ السَّاعَةُ That the Day of Judgment will suddenly arrive on them بَغْدَةً All of a sudden وَهُمْ لَا يَشْعُرُونَ And they're not even aware and conscious of that end of time. Say, say Nabi Akram, this is verse 108, Say Nabi Akram sallallahu alayhi wa sallam That what you should tell them, that قُلْ هَذِهِ سَبِيلِي That this is my way. And أُدْعُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ And I call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is my way and I am on this way, Allah Basira, with complete full perception and complete clarity, Ana Bamanitabani and me and all of those who follow me. And all of us we are going to call people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wa subhanallah and glory be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here again you have Shah and Sahaba that Nabi Kareem Sallallahu and all the Sahaba Kram are Allah Basira or on rightful perception and clear clarity of thinking. The Prophet and all those Sahaba who follow him and all of them are da'is and calling to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and praise be to Allah subhanahu wa ma wa ma ana min al and tell the people that Allah 
praise be, glory be to Allah and I am not amongst the people who ascribe partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and indeed we did not send before you messengers other, we have not sent before you the Prophet messengers other than men to whom we have sent down our revelations we sent our wahi onto them in Ahlul Qura from all of the different communities and indeed, have the disbelievers not traveled through the land and then not seen the end and the outcome, aqibatul ladina min qablahim, the outcome and the end of those who would come before him. Waladarul akhirati khayrul lil ladina And indeed, the abode of the hereafter, the everlasting abode is a much, much better abode than this worldly life for those people who adopt taqwa, for those people who fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as they deserve to be feared, people who are conscious of Allah and conscientious of their duty towards Him. Afala ta'kilun. Will you not then be people who have Understanding, then Allah Subhanahu says, "Hatta uh, when all hatta is a stay a stay asal and then when all of the every time the punishment came, it was delayed until and only came. Now the transition when the messengers lost all hope, and then when the messengers lost all hope, and when they thought and realized that they have been uh, dismissed as liars, then what happened? Ja'ahum nasruna." Then Allah Ta'ala says, and then our help came to them. And this is referring to all of those previous surahs that we did, and all of those previous anbiya, where Allah Ta'ala then afflicted punishment on the disbelievers, and He saved, فَنُنَجِّي مَنْ نَشَاءَ And Allah Ta'ala says, and we saved whomsoever we willed. And who did He will to save? He willed to save the anbiya and their true believers. And there is no way that our punishment can be averted and diverted from a qawm and mujrameen, from a community of guilty wrongdoers. لَقَدْ كَانَ فِي كَسَسِهِمْ إِبْرَةٌ And know that certainly in the narratives and stories of all all of those anbiya that we've discussed up till now, and ultimately and especially Asun al-Qasas in the story of Sayyidina Yusuf salam, is ibratun illa is a lesson the ulul al-bab for people who have soft, tender hearts of understanding. Ma kana haditham yuftara that this is not a story that is invented or fabrication, but rather it is tasdik. It is a complete confirmation of everything that has gone before it and everything that lies before them and that is in their hands and a confirmation of that which is in their Torah and their Injil and with tafsil and is an elaboration of each and every single thing. And is the guidance, and it is a mercy for the people who believe. All right. Just in two minutes, I'm going to summarize a couple of the lessons from Surah Yusuf Alaihissalam. Number one is that a person can be tried in his and in hardship. Sayyidina Yusuf Alaihissalam was tried in both ways. He was afflicted with certain eases, and that was also a means of trial for him. He was afflicted with certain hardships, and that was also a means of trial for him. But all the time he was on taqwa, and he was on sabr, all the time he attributed everything because of the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Second major thing is this is ahsan al-qasas, because this can make a person, this can bring several revolutions about in a person's heart. Number one, it can bring a person from darkness into light. It can bring a person from discord and bad family relations into ijtima, into good family relations. It, it also mentions how Sayyidina Yaqub was brought from huzn into happiness. It also is, mentions how the brothers of Yusuf first denied their sin and then they were brought to how to accept and acknowledge their sin and they got the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of these are lessons for us. Here, I think I, rather than summarize it, I think we've done it all, and we're going to have to stop over here.
Inshallah, so this is the end of Surah Yusuf wa Akhirah Da'wana and Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Inshallah, we again ask all of you to sign up so that we can send you an email file with some of the du'as, right, that you can make that are based on Surah Yusuf alayhi salam. And inshallah, we will make a du'a right now and then we will pray Asr salam. Subhanahu wa ta'ala wa haba Allahumma salli ala sayyiduna Muhammad wa ala ali sayyiduna Muhammad wa barik wa sallam Ya Allah ya Rabbi Kareem you are the most essen rabb you sent upon us the essen Quran you sent upon us the essen Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Ya Allah we are far from being muhsineen we are far from being your essen mu'mineen Ya Allah Rabbi Kareem we are turning to you in dua in this day of Ramadan in a state of fasting in a state of ibadah in a state where each and every one of us is abstaining from things due to your hukum and your command. Ya Allah, we ask that you accept this small token act of obedience that we stayed away from food and drink for you today and we stayed away from it in all the previous days of this month of Ramadan and that we intend to fast each and every remaining day of Ramadan. Ya Allah, we ask that you accept this small act of itaat and obedience from us, this small humble ibadat from us and Ya Allah, that you make us amongst the Ahsan Mu'mineen, that you make us amongst the Muhsineen, that you make us feel the feelings of Qur'an Feel the meanings of Quran Feel the meanings of the wordings of Quran Ya Rabbi Kareem We want to learn and discover and follow And imbibe and inculcate and embody Each and every lesson of Sayyidina Yusuf salam. Ya Rabbi Kareem Especially all of the young women and Young men and women here today Ya Allah we ask that you save us From the unlawful lustful passions of our desire Ya Allah we ask that you make us pure and chaste as he was Ya Allah we ask that you enable us to remember you and say ma'ad Allah whenever we are presented with an opportunity or invitation to sin Ya Allah we too want to live only and only for you and only and only for your sake Ya Rabbi Kareem we make tawbah for all of the sins that we did in the past Ya Allah we come to you as the sinning members of this ummah we are the mujrimeen of this ummah we are the zalimeen of this ummah Ya Rabbi Kareem your Nabi Kareem Salsam told us in a hadith mentioned in Bukhari that there was a woman of Bani Israel that she was a prostitute Ya Rabbi Kareem, she was a whore. And Ya Allah, she gave a dog just some water to drink. And Ya Allah, you sent your maghfirat upon her. That Ya Allah, we are similarly. Ya Allah, we are the sinners of this ummah. Ya Allah, surely we are from ummah to Mustafa. If you can forgive the badkar orat of the Bani Israel, surely you can forgive the badkar marat and orat of ummah of Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. Ya Allah, forgive us for all the sins that we ever did. Forgive us for the sins that we did with our eyes. Forgive us for the sins that we did with our hands. Forgive us for the sins that we did with others. Forgive us for the sins that we did to ourselves. Ya Rabbi Kareem grant us a life of taqwa. Ya Rabbi Kareem do our tazkiyah. Ya Allah take out our nafsi amara. Ya Allah grant us a nafsi mutma'inna. Ya Allah we are sick and tired of our unlawful passions. Ya Rabbi Kareem we want to be true to you. We want to be the true son and daughter of Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. We want to be the true son and daughter of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi salam. Ya Allah, we ask that you increase us in our haya, increase us in our sabr, increase us in our tahara. Ya Allah, make such impure ones like us pure. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, hum jaise be hayaan ko ba haya bana. Ya Rabbi Kareem, hum jaise be taqwa ko taqwa la bana. Aapne to Quran-e Kareem mein ilan kar diya, la allakum tattakoon. Ya Rabbi Kareem, aap umid rakhte hai ki hum muttaqi banenge. Ya Rabbi Kareem, hum sab ko apne umid ke mutabik bana dijiye. 
اپنی امید کو پورا کر دیجیے اس رمضان و مبارک کے مہینے میں ہم سب کو تقوا کی دولت سے نواز دیجیے تقوا کی نعمت عظمہ کی ہمیں بشارت دے دیجیے ارے بکریم ہم کب یہ خوشی سنیں گے کہ ہمیں لباس تقوا مل گیا ہے کہ ہمیں تقوا تہارت مل گیا ہے ارے بکریم ہم اپنی درنگی سے باز آنا چاہتے ہیں ہم اپنی درنگی سے خود تنگ ہو چکے ہیں ارے بکریم ہم نظر کی حفاظت نہیں کرتے دل کی حفاظت نہیں کرتے جو نعمتیں آپ نے دی ان کی قدر نہیں کرتے ہم جیسے بے وفا شاہد کبھی پہلے گزرے ہیں ارے بکریم ہم جیسے بے وفاؤں کو با وفا بنا دیجیے ہمیں اپنا عشق عطا کر دیجیے عشق حقیقی عطا کر دیجیے اپنی محبت کا جام پلا دیجیے ارے بکریم ہمارے دلوں کو اپنی محبت سے لبریز فرما دیجیے ہمیں اپنے عشق کا ایک ایسے طوفان عطا کر دیجیے کہ ہم تمام ناجائز عشق کو بھول جائیں ارے بکریم اب تک ہم آپ سے غافل رہے دنیا کی لذت سے واقف رہے یا اللہ آج ہم دنیا سے غافل ہونا چاہتے ہیں آپ کی واقفیت حاصل کرنا چاہتے ہیں آپ کی لطف اور لذت کی معرفت حاصل کرنا چاہتے ہیں یا خفی و لطفی درکھنا بلطف کل خفی یا بکریم مہربانی کر دیجیے اپنے فضل و کرم کا معاملہ کر دیجیے ارے بکریم ہمیں بھی اپنے محبت نسیم کر دیجیے ہمیں بھی اپنے محبین محبوبین میں شامل کر دیجیے یار بکریم اپنے پہرے بھی تو بڑے اولیاء اللہ کو پیدا کیے بڑے گناگاروں میں سے آپ نے تو ڈاکوں کو سردار کو اپنے اولیاء کا سردار بنا دیجیے بنا چکے ہیں آپ نے بشر حافی کو جو دنیا کا نشوار ہوتا تھا آپ نے اپنا محبت کی نشہ عطا کر دیا تھا یار بکریم ہمارے ساتھ بھی کچھ ایسا معاملہ فرما دیجیے اپنا فضل کا معاملہ فرما دیجیے ہم سب کو فضلی بنا دیجیے ہم بھی آپ کے فضل اور کرم اور رحمت پر جینا چاہتے ہیں آپ کے فضل کرم اور رحمت کو حاصل کرنا چاہتے ہیں آپ کے نام اور نسبت میں ایک دوسرے سے ملنا چاہتے ہیں بکریم ہم بھی آپ سے ملنا چاہتے ہیں قیامت کے دن ہم بھی ایمان اور اسلام کو سلامت ہو کر رخصت ہونا چاہتے ہیں بکریم ہمیں نفس مطمئن عطا کر دیجیے ہمیں بھی ربی کی راد مرضیا کے کریم پیاری خطاب سے مخاطب کر دیجیے ارے بکریم ہم آپ کے بننا چاہتے ہیں اب تک نہ بن سکے ارے بکریم پھر بھی بننا چاہتے ہیں ہم پوری زندگی اس میں لگائیں گے ارے بکریم بنا دیجیے اپنا دوستی نصیب کر دیجیے ہم آپ کے دوستوں سے بھی دوستی لگا چکے ہیں ہم اب آپ کے دوست بننا چاہتے ہیں ارے بکریم ہمارے فقیرے کو قبول کر دیجیے ہمارے لا علمی پر رحم کر دیجیے ہمارے سادگی پر مہربانی کر دیجیے ارے بکریم ہمیں بھی اپنا بنا دیجیے ارے بکریم ہم سب کو اپنا سیدھا سادہ سچا ستھرا مسلمان بنا دیجیے نیکی کرنے کی رغبت عطا کر دیجیے نیکی کی لذت عطا کر دیجیے نیک بننے کی تمنا عطا کر دیجیے اور یا اللہ نبی کریم سسم کی ہر سنت کی رغبت عطا کر دیجیے سنت کی محبت عطا کر دیجیے سنت کی محبوبیت نصیب کر دیجیے ارے بکریم ہمیں ویسے بنا جیسے تو راضی ہے ہم آپ کی رضا کے مطابق بننا چاہتے ہیں اپنے طبیعت کو قربان کرنے کے لیے تیار ہیں اپنے ادائے انداز کو چھوڑنے کے لیے تیار ہیں یار بکریم ہمیں ویسے بنا جیسے تو راضی ہے ہمیں راضیتم مرضیہ والا انسان بنا ہمیں قرآنی انسان بنا مدنی انسان بنا نبوی انسان بنا یوسفی انسان بنا یار بکریم ہم حیوان ہیں ہمیں قرآنی انسان بنا دیجئے اپنے مہربانی کر دیجئے ہمیں ایمان میں یقین نصیب فرما عمل میں ہمت عطا فرما صبر اور استقامت والا بنا 
رب کریم ہم بہت کچھ ہیں ہم پکے ہونا چاہتے ہیں اس رمضان و مبارک مہینے کی برکات اور انورات اور فیوزات کے ذریعے سے ہمارے ایمان کو مضبوط کر دیجیے یا اللہ یہ رب کریم جو کچھ قرآن کریم اس ادارے میں پڑھا گیا پڑھایا گیا یا رب کریم اس کو قبول فرما جو بھی جو جن جس جس جو ہماری نانی امان جس نے اس ادارے کو وقف کیا اپنے دین کے لیے اس تمام نعم الاجر ان کو نصیب فرما جو بھی ادارے سے تعلق رکھتے ہیں محبت کرتے ہیں محبت اور خوشی سے ان کی با... اس کی باتیں سنتے ہیں سب کو اجر عظیم عطا فرما اور یارب کریم ادارے کی خدمت کرنے والوں کے اخلاص نصیب فرما ہماری بے اخلاصی کی وجہ سے دوسروں کو محروم نہ فرما اب غیبی خزانوں سے اپنے تجلیات انورات سے ان سب کو اپنی نسبت عطا فرما قرآن کی نسبت عطا فرما اپنی معرفت عطا فرما یا رب کریم ہم کی تمام گھروں کو دین کے لیے قبول فرما جو بھی ہمارے اہل میں گھر میں جو دین سے دور ہیں آپ سے دور ہیں آپ سے بدزن ہو کے ہو چکے ہیں یا رب کریم کرم کا معاملہ فرما اپنے رحیمی کے صدقہ ہم مانگ رہے ہیں یا رب کریم ان کی دلوں پر اپنی ہدایت نازل فرما ان کے دلوں کو دین کی طرف نرم فرما ان کے دل میں اپنی پہچان نصیب فرما ان کو بھی ایک محبت کے آ کے ایک آتش نصیب فرما اور یار بکریم ہم سب کو مل کر اپنی آپ کی پسند حاصل کرنے کی توفیق عطا فرما یار بکریم امت مسلمہ کے مظنومین متاثرین پر اپنی خصوصی رحمت نازل فرما ہم سب کو ان کی اعلی خدمت کرنے کے لیے قبول فرما ملک پاکستان کی حفاظت فرما حاصدین کی حسد سے بچا اشرار کا شر سے بچا یا رب کریم جہاں بھی دنیا میں حقیقی مجاہدین آپ کی رضا کے مطابق جہاد کر رہے ہیں ان کو غلط مجاہدین پر غلط عطا فرما یا اللہ رب کریم حق کو ظاہر فرما باطل کو دور فرما یا رب کریم ہر, ان ہر قسم کا ظلم اور نا انصافی کو دور فرما یا رب کریم جہاں بھی دنیا میں آپ کی پسند کے مطابق آپ کے حکم کے ماتحت دین کی خدمت ہو رہی ہے یا رب کریم ان تمام خدمات کو قبول نصیب فرما ہدایت کی چشم کو جاری ساری فرما یار بکریم ہم فتنہ اور فساد کے زمانے میں رہنے ہیں فوش اور فحاشی والا ماحول ہے یار بکریم ہماری ایمان کی حفاظت فرما نوجوان مسلم امت کے نوجوانوں کے ایمان کی حفاظت فرما قیامت آنے تک ہمارے تمام اولاد ضروریات کی ایمان کی حفاظت فرما یار بکریم جو مانگا ہے وہ بھی نصیب فرما جو مانگنا چاہیے تھا نہ مانگ سکے وہ بھی عطا فرما یار بکریم اس نبی کریم سلم اور صحاب کرام اور اولیاء صدیقین صالحین علماء نے جو بھی امت کے لیے دعائیں کیے ہم سب کو اس امت کا فرد سمجھ کر ہمارے حق میں بھی وہ دعا نصیب فرما ربنا تکمبل منا ان کا انت سمی العدیم و تب علینا ان کا انت تواب الرحیم و صلی اللہ تعالی الحبیبی سیدنا محمد والا علیہ و اصحابہ اجمعین برحمتک یا ارحم الراحمین Amen.